Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. People are waking up across the country this morning to 132 main road Garda checkpoints. The country today faces gridlock, they say, in many places. And uh, this is because of uh, Level 3 and people being asked. And it's only asked, I have to say. I'm not encouraging people to uh, do anything else but stay in their county. But uh, you apparently I was reading yesterday that the guards can just ask you where you're going. You can uh, tell them where you're going and uh, they'll encourage you to turn around. But by law, they can't stop you. But... Officers operating over 130 checkpoints to try and try and enforce the rules. Now, the independent this morning, <laughs> the independent this morning is saying, if things were bad, they could they get any worse? Well, now they are now starting to talk or discuss uh, restricting the opening hours of off licenses. According to the independent today, opening hours and offies would be significantly reduced under the government plans aimed at clamping down uh, house parties and large social gatherings. So that's in the that's in the discussion phase at the moment. But they're saying 50 euro fine for not wearing a mask. Uh, Varadkar and ministers are preparing to bring in a 50 euro on the spot fine. This is what Varadkar told his Fine Gael party colleagues last night. He also said that a 200 euro penalty was being considered for anyone who actually does travel outside the con- uh, outside of their county right now. It's an unenforceable rule in, in, in one sense, but he's saying that could change 50 for not wearing a mask. 200 for leaving your county. Uh, he also told uh, Fine Gael last, members last night also that uh, level 5 lockdown is still on the cards. You know they've come up with this new term, it's called circuit breaker, where they would just stop everything, you know? It's like the main breaker switch in the house going down and everything just becomes powerless. Um, but anyway, this is, uh, um, you know, issues regarding uh, how we're going to maybe get a handle on things getting any worse because we're waking up this morning to, uh, you know, news in the echo that uh, uh, there's a serious shortage of acute care beds and critical care beds in Cork hospitals. At the front of the echo this morning quotes uh, Chris Luke who says that there was no critical care beds available in Cork on Monday evening and there was just five general beds available. That's kind of scary really as we head into the winter time and all the different sicknesses that have been knocking around besides coronavirus you'll be looking at flu as well. Thousands of pubs and restaurants closed their doors again last night. The Red Tops lead with all of those together with photographs you know with with photographs of uh, people holding up the last pint and things like that. Closing time folks is the front of the mirror today. Uh, You know you're looking at other ones like uh, different headlines and many people in Cork running restaurants and bars featuring both the Examiner and the Echo a story from uh, Jacobs on the Mall this morning which went on, underwent a huge refurbishment recently but again has had to close its doors same story coming out of the Liberty Grill in Washington Street um, you know, photographed by the examiner just before they closed again because of COVID restrictions. Uh, the hospitality sector are talking about it, talk, are describing it as a, a kick in the, in the teeth. Stephen Hackett at Nana's Pub said he received great response from the public since reopening and he'd like to have stayed open serving customers safely. Uh, they were doing everything right and they feel it's a total kick in the teeth. Uh, they also have stories in the uh, examiner different hotels on Lee side, including the general manager of the Metropole, Roger Russell. He features in the papers today. Um, and listen, there are other stories, of course, besides it. One has to do with the story that I touched on yesterday with Michael McGrath, and that's the pop payment, you know, being dropped from €350 Euro to 300 Also this morning, the Independent is saying uh, that the Cabinet has rubber-stamped. I mean, could you make this up? They've rubber-stamped a wage hike for those who are on the lowest pay. But hold on a second. It's only 10 cent an hour, which will bring the statutory wage, which other people call the minimum wage, uh, to, to €10.20 
20 cent as opposed to 10 euro 10 cent and it'll kick in from January. Uh, man, it's just a tiny amount of money, isn't it? Uh, papers also this morning talk about one of the ways that we might be able to reinvigorate the tourism industry is to create a new bank holiday. An additional bank holiday. It's a story in the Examiner today. Uh, and Val uh, Byrne at Toy Town Blackpool says there will be a shortage of some toys this Christmas time uh, because of uh, not the ones that Santa Claus is doing. Santa has his own way of doing things, and Santa and Mrs. Claus and all the others will do the business up in the North Pole. But for the extra bits and pieces that you want to pick up yourself, a lot of that stuff comes from China, and there's a big problem. You know the stocking fillery stuff, but there's a big problem then with parts availability and shipping apparently. It might come back to that story a little later on this morning. Uh, Donald Trump's back in, in the White House feeling great, despite clearly having breathing problems. And there's more evidence that uh, the Loch Ness monster, Nessie, exists. Yet more sonar images coming from the depths of Loch Ness, where at 165 meters, they say, they have captured an image of Nessie. Or maybe it's a giant sturgeon. Or maybe it's a shoal of fish. They ain't 100% sure. And the best thing since sliced bread, the sandwich. It's getting a double-page spread and the star this morning. Did you know that the sandwich was invented in 1762 by the Earl of Sandwich? He wanted something to eat without having to leave the gaming table. He liked cards. So without him to go for his dinner, he wanted to keep playing cards. So he asked for meat between two slices of bread. And hey presto, the lunchtime favourite was born. I hope to return at some stage today, or at some stage this week, to the humble sandwich. Because uh, everybody has their own favourite. And unfortunately, and sadly, Eddie Van Halen has died too young. He had a long battle with cancer and passed away yesterday at the age of 65. Uh, They called him the Mozart of the rock guitar. The Mozart of the rock guitar. Uh, For songs like this. I'm all the better for that, and I hope you are too. It's just got to be done. Even though the riff itself is more likely to be an electric keyboard, Eddie Van Halen on uh, lead guitar sold 80 million records worldwide. And Jump was a crowd pleaser. And it was also a dance hall filler uh, in the discos and the nightclubs. If you were struggling, put on Eddie's uh, Jump, and all of a sudden you had a stampede on the floor. It's sad news, his passing at the age of 65. Anyway, I hope that put a bit of a pep in your step. One other musically, you know, you should never give up, really, uh, regardless of, uh, you know, uh, the any kind of an obstacle that's put in your way. And I was reading recently that Ed Sheeran was told that he would never make a star if he didn't dye his hair. He has, uh, you know, ginger red hair, beautiful hair. But he was told he needed to dye it back black. He needed to dye it black, I should say, or there would be no career for him. It's a bit like the people who told the Beatles that, um, you know, guitar bands were dead. Don't be listening to that kind of nonsense. What about yesterday in the doll? Were we listening to nonsense? Was Michal Martin just trying to have a bit of a laugh uh, and a bit of crack uh, with uh, Michael Healy Ray. But Michael Healy Ray was having none of it. And it was the talk of the parish yesterday and last night with people sharing the video clip. This is what happened. So Michal was up on his feet. I don't know what he was talking about. But he decided to tell a bit of a yarn, right? I was reliably informed through the chair that Deputy Healy Ray approached people outside a mess to say I can get you on the bus if you want to cataract the, 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 the woman concerns it. You should take that back. You're a disgrace. You're only in the bottom of the panel now could be open that doctor yeah. statement. And cop on a small bit t-shirt. Could I, could I just deal in terms of... I relax, relax. relax. I, I'm not telling you. Don't go 
I'll knock you. <laughs> and conductor, goddammit, that's an awful thing to say. And spying in that. It's the truth. It's not to be joked. If somebody belonged to you was going blind, you wouldn't like it. Uh, Mike, uh, Michal Martin and Michael Healy Ray in the door yesterday. You know, they've um, decided to bring back spitting image in the UK. You know, the puppets. I'm wondering if we could have a spitting image type show here with conduct like that in the doll. Mind you, many, many people found it hilariously funny. Um, T.D. McBarry was in the doll. Has <sighs> uh, witnessed this carry on. Mick, good morning. Good morning to you, Neil. I have to say, I think I'd rather listen to the late great Eddie Van Halen than listen to Michael Healy Ray well, in the row of, row of seats behind me going ballistic. I'm uh, so glad a, I played Jump then. <laughs> I'm so glad that I played it. Thank you for that vote of confidence. But, um, it, <laughs> like, people, whether you like it or not, people find these kind of things funny and maybe we need a bit of this type of comic relief in the times we live in. Yeah, well, you, you could make that point. Um, I mean, you, you only have to tune into it on uh, YouTube on a Tuesday night. Uh, I have to listen to it uh, about once every two weeks, you know. I mean, they're, they're easily wound up, the two of them, and uh, Michal hops the ball with them uh, with a bit of skill, and uh, pretty much every time they take the base, you know. And what I want to know is, what I'm curious about is, after this and after that doll session, are they best pals then? I don't know. I mean, I don't frequent the doll bar myself. No, but I in general, just it. around the houses of, of the, the Oroctus. Uh Well, Michael Healy Ray is always very civil. He'll always give you a nod of the, the head and a, and a hello, um, uh, despite the fact that, you know, I go up against him more, more often than not, it would have to be said. Um, but I think if, 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 if you're, if you're going to be, you know, uh, throwing a tantrum like that in the doll, it's, it's probably best to be wearing the mask rather than than be uh... <laughs> why is it because they'd be kind of there'd be droplets in the air is it from the shouting <laughs> I would imagine there probably would be you know alright ok ok in any case. anyway listen uh, the front pages of the papers this morning a 50 euro fine for not wearing a mask a 200 euro fine if you can't leave in the county 132 guarded checkpoints all over the place the minimum wage going up by 10 cent plans to cut the opening hours of off licences um, what do you make of all of that? Well, let's start with the minimum wage because that is an absolute scandal. I mean, these are the lowest paid workers in the entire country. And they're workers who've done the country some service. Uh, we wouldn't have got through lockdown number one, and I doubt if we're going to get through lockdown number two if it wasn't for the work that was done by many, many low-paid workers. I mean... You know, pizza delivery is is an example. Uh, retail is an example. Cleaners is an example. Sure, look, the list is as long as your arm. And so, would many people doing essential could. services in retail, you know, with regards to, uh, you know, our foods, um, our clothing, um, our hardware, our, our sanitary products, and are, are a lot of them on minimum wage? Yes, a lot of them are on minimum wage, although um, there's probably a greater number who are on a bit above the minimum wage, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I did, I did hear, wage. for example, that, that the likes of your Aldis and your Lidl's were great pairs, you know? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's lots of stores who will pay uh, a bit above the odds, uh, uh, a bit above the minimum rate. Um, part of the deal there is trying to keep trade unions out, it's, it's part of a strategy and there's you know, been well-known battles in the retail trade about uh, uh, keeping unions in or out. Uh, so that's, that's part of the strategy there. But for a government uh, 
um, and for a Taoiseach which, who proclaims himself a friend of working people to stand over the idea of a 10 cent increase in the minimum wage. When this came up at the Low Pay Commission, which is the commission which meets to make a recommendation to the government in advance of the budget, the union reps walked out. The Irish Congress of Trade Union rep, Patricia King, walked out. The Mandate Trade Union rep, um, that's the union involved in Debenhams, uh, Jerry Light, he walked out. But the government has paid no attention to that walkout and has instead gone with the recommendation of one one percent of an increase, actually a little bit less than one percent, a real scandal. Yeah. Did you take the two percent uh, statutory public sector pay increase? Yeah, the way that I do it is that uh, I'm uh, a workers TD on a workers wage. So no Solidarity or Socialist Party TD would take uh, a penny more than the average workers wage. When the, the state uh, votes an increase and pays it into our bank account, we have a choice. We can say, OK, we'll give it back to the state which more than likely will be passed on to the bankers in the form of the huge interest bill from the austerity years. Or we can say we use it not for ourselves, but for our campaigning work. So, for example, you know, the campaigns we've run down through the years, the water charges, the repeal, the eighth, supporting the Debenhams workers, etc. Uh, and does somebody else manage that money on your behalf, then, that, um, that surplus? Um, I manage the money through my accounts, but I have to publish my accounts uh, within the party, and they're open for inspection. So, what would yeah. the average? Let's say so you talk about the you take the average uh, Irish working wage. What, what's that? I mean, I mean you don't have to answer it. I mean, it's your own wages. I'm just curious. No, no, it's okay. Uh, the average industrial wage would be in around thirty-five thousand at the moment. Um, the average wage, uh, when you take into account the wages that are paid to low-paid workers and to young workers in particular, would be closer to the twenty-five thousand. Uh, so I, I would be a lot closer in terms of what I take home. And my wife has plenty of debates and discussions with me about this one. So you take, take you take a wage of thirty-five thousand gross. I don't actually, no. It, it would be far closer to the average wage of a worker, which would be around 25. You take yeah. 25 gross a year? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean... How do you survive I, I, I on that? Uh, well, sorry, I, I should say that on top of that, that I do take expenses. So I know, I understand example, that. That's going to, to yeah. from work. I mean, You know, so when, I, when I'm getting a, a train to Dublin or uh, paying the phone bills on the phone, which I'm, I'm doing this interview, and so on and so forth, that, that would be, I, I would top it up with that. Okay. And, but that would be open to inspection as well. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yesterday, um, I think this is what prompted what your call originally. Michael McGrath was on the air with me and I was asking about why at this time, uh, as we go into yet another restrictive uh, lockdown, um, they were dropping the pub from 350 euro to 300 euro. Uh, and this is just 30 seconds of his response. About three and a half billion euro has been paid out so far on that pub payment. And like we also have to remember that people who lost their job up to the middle of March, just pre-COVID, are on 203 euro. We have carers in Cork. We have widows, people in disability allowance, invalidity payment on much lower payments. And we need to be fair to everybody. So we have to take all of that into account and that's what we're trying to do now and balance a whole load of different demands uh, in the context of what will be a challenging budget. So I can't give any commitment on that issue. What, what, what am I reading into that? That they want everybody to be on the, as close as they can to the same payment, that pop payments need to be in line with pension payments, disability payments and unemployment benefit, 203 euro. That's what the government plan. Um, as you know, they cut the top rate of the pub from 350 down to 300 on September the 17th. 
they're cutting it down to 250 uh, a second cut now in February. And I think by April, they want to equalize it with job seekers allowance and the basic social welfare payments. But, you know, Michael gives a lot of facts and figures there, but actually his arguments don't add up. Because how can you argue that the um, pandemic unemployment payment, uh, a payment for people who've been locked out of work as a result of the virus, uh, that a reasonable rate for that in March is €350, but that a reasonable rate for it now is 250 or €300. That doesn't add up. And I think you made the point yourself very well yesterday on the show. I listened back to the podcast that, you know, that is by and large, not money that people are are using to live uh, a high lifestyle. That's money that's paying the rent. That's money that's putting food on the table. That's money that's keeping the wolf from the door. The government took it away, and I think they thought that they'd get away with it. They have. Well, I think that they thought that there would be less of an outcry because at that time the virus was on the decline within society. But now that the virus is on the increase again and we're moving up to level three and higher levels are entirely possible in the weeks and months ahead, the idea that you would stand over paying people uh, 250 euro uh, who, you know, might have been on six or 700 before March uh, and who are now locked out of their job uh, as a result of the virus. That's an argument that doesn't stand up. And is it fair to say that there could be anywhere between, say, 100 and 150,000 people um, in services industries and those that supply many of the businesses that are now closed will be put on, t- will be at least temporarily laid off this week? Yes, that's a, that's a, a real possibility. Um, I mean, we had 600,000 people on the pandemic unemployment payment at its height in the March-April period. It's been going down and down. It's around 200,000 at the moment. But I just uh, was doing a bit of preparation for the doll debate that's kicking off at 10 o'clock here. And I see that in Duddygall last week, the numbers applying for it went up by 2,000. Now, if that's the case in Donegal, which has gone into level three, which has a low population, What's going to be the case in the rest of the country? And more, more importantly, uh, here in Cork. So is, is this up for debate this morning then? Yeah, essentially what's happening is that uh, the group that I'm part of here in the Dáil, which is Solidarity People Before Profit, we're entitled to what's called private members' time, a two-hour uh, slot. So we, we're using our private members' time this week to put forward a motion about the pandemic unemployment payment. It makes a lot of points about it, but the key point is that those cutbacks should be reversed and it should be brought back up to €350 Euro a week now. But, yeah, but you don't have the numbers, do you? You don't have the numbers for that, do you? Well, the government have the numbers to vote it down, but what we're trying to do is to put pressure on... We, we don't hold up uh, any, any great hope for the Fine Gael TDs, uh, but we know that uh, a lot of uh, Fianna Fáil uh, TDs and Green Party TDs rely on the votes of working people and revo- rely on the votes of young people, so we're trying to use that as a pressure point and our hope is that if we can force a few of them to vote against the government in the vote tonight, that it will put increased pressure on them in the budget next Tuesday, increased pressure on Michael McGrath to say, OK, we need to increase the uh, pandemic unemployment. He, he's not. He's, I mean, yesterday he's not for changing. He says it's unsustainable to continue with that model. He says the money just isn't there. We're in a huge hole, like 25 billion or something from COVID alone. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, COVID is uh, costing the country uh, a lot of money and the pandemic unemployment payment itself is costing the country uh, a lot of money. And I think people have a fair and legitimate question as to how the hell are you going to pay for this? My answer to that would be twofold. Uh, I mean, I think 
there is an argument about borrowing because you can borrow on the international markets for virtually 0% at the moment. But the main point that I would make is that there is a lot of wealth in this country and a big proportion of the wealth is in the hands of a small minority. For example, the Sunday Times Rich List tells us that the richest 10 in the country control 50 billion euro worth of wealth between them. We saw the government turning... What do you want to do? Do you want to get it off them, is it? Yeah, I mean, the government won't even countenance a discussion on the question of wealth taxes, uh, but there needs to be not just a real debate on the issue of wealth taxes. I think wealth taxes need to be implemented if we're going to be able to sustain the mass of the ordinary people through this uh, uh, pandemic, because it's not going away tomorrow or the next day, is it? Okay, will you also be able to find out um, with any amount of certainty whether the Christmas bonus would be paid? An awful lot of people are worried about that. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I can raise that and I can report back to you uh, if, if, if you want. Um, uh, there was an issue in the Dáil yesterday. There had been reports of um, a bank holiday, uh, a new bank holiday being created yes. in uh, December. But when the Taoiseach was asked about that, he scratched his head and gave the impression that he'd never heard of it before. Um, uh, so that's one that I'm keeping my eye on and I'll come back to you on the Christmas bonus as well if you appreciate right. it thank you so much as always uh, Mick Barry TD by phone one 104 106 text 086-8104-106 and I know we were talking about um, light comic relief with regards to the carry-on in the door yesterday but these, these, these lovely kind of cartoony memes going around these days some of them are very funny you know the field with John B. Keane uh, where, he's, where he's standing with his big huge stick and his two hands are upon it and he looks like Moses with a hat, and he's looking down, well, his back, he's got his back to the field, and he's saying, I remember when you could smoke in the pub, now you can't even drink in them. And then there was another one somewhere, where I printed it off this morning, here it is, uh, it's an announcement for all of us, from Monday, it says postmen, but this should be postal workers, so from Monday, postal workers will be working from home, they'll read all your letters, and ring you, if it's anything important. This is the Neil Prenderville Show, tweet the show, at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Text here says, Mick Barry's idea of a wealth tax is a ridiculous idea. If the people are that wealthy, then they can afford to leave the country and not pay any tax. Well, it's not about wanting to get onto a rich list or making huge amounts of money. For many people now, it's just about, you know, surviving and keeping their businesses viable. Temporarily now for three weeks, perhaps longer, who knows? Uh, many, many restaurants, uh, bars, cafes, a um, lot of different uh, hotels, of course, working under constricted opening uh, where they can only allow people in who are actually residents. And many of the suppliers who supply them all of their food and their beverages and stuff like that, all of them are going to take a hit. And amongst them of, uh, is Liam Barry, who has Goldbergs on Baron and the Island Tavern. He's quoted in the Examiner this morning as saying, I swear to God, I have no faith whatsoever in the government of this country only that I'd embarrass my father, I'd pick at Michal Martin's home. Uh, Liam joins me by phone. <laughs> You're laughing at that. You did say it, though, did you? I did, I did, I did. Neil, how are you? Good morning. I'm Listen, he's at the moment, obviously, but, like, I, you know, I'm 46, I'm not 12 years old, I'm not going to go picketing his house. But it just goes to show the frustration, now that that's out there at, at this latest kind of uh, carry on. You know, look, I'm not saying that pubs uh, shouldn't be closed. I, 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 I firmly believe that, you know, the whole alcohol and people thing is, is yes, is what's fueling, um, 
you know, these, you know, these numbers that are going up. Well, no, in fairness to publicans, I think by and large, they really did play ball and followed all of the guidelines and the, and the and health advice. The point I was just coming to, and that was the point I was just coming to. We spent two to three weeks prior to opening. Uh, I didn't open until the 22nd because it just suited us for deliveries. Um, uh, online, getting our staff trained up, um, you know, spending, what we estimated the other day we spent about 18,000 between the three bars on COVID-related stuff, perspex, wooden dividers, floor signs, you know, printing, all that kind of a thing. Um, our staff, my, my staff in particular, um, were probably one of the, the better trained people out there in order to uh, enforce COVID regulations and restrictions. I mean, my, my, in particular in the Bowron, my manager in there, her heart was broken in getting all of these things right. She really wanted it down pat. Uh, and similarly in, in Goldbergs, where we do a lot of food, um, everything had to be bang on. Even all of our customers, the guards that came in, everybody said we were doing it right. Um, in particular, the guards came into the, to Goldbergs over the weekend. They even went through our, fo- our tills, our food system, and walked away and said, listen, this is as good as we've seen it. You know, um, What do you mean they went you through know, your till system? What did that involve? Well, what it does, you know, the irony of it is, is the restrictions are the, the rule for food had had passed at that stage. But look, obviously, you're going to accommodate the guards when they come in. Um, they wanted to see uh, bookings, um, and they wanted to see, you know, how people were booking and how they were coming in. Were they leaving? Um, you know, after I suppose. It, and you were okay with that? You didn't find that somewhat heavy-handed, uh, course, or anything? Uh, not at all. Okay. No, okay. I spoke to plenty of guards, and in, in fact, I spoke to four guards yesterday who, while we were having a meeting in Goldbergs, to decide a way forward for them past trying to come in for food yeah. and I had to come out and say look guys uh, you know they were plain clothes uh, but we know them and um, it, they, I, they, I said geez your work is about to get a lot harder and they said do you really think we want to be doing this you know these guys are out there trying to enforce enforce the law prevent crime yes. you know yeah. uh, this, this this takes from, from, from everything that they signed up for but do you anyway, think that you know, the disparity I mean, is going to be somewhat rebalanced if they do decide to cut the opening hours of off licenses and take on the no I don't multi- no? I don't I don't at the minute if they're closing pubs it's giving them the option by the way to, to serve 15 people uh, people outdoors that's that's again you know a little bit of a little bit of a carrot there, there, there's no benefit to that who the hell is going to sit out in Ireland in the middle of winter I mean granted go uh, city council are coming out with these winter posting grants, which are great, but that's that's weeks away. Um, uh, and speaking of weeks, don't, don't for one second think that three weeks is, is it. We're going to be closed at least six weeks. Ah, uh, well, I mean, um, let's be optimistic about it. If, uh, if I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying. Uh, to be. Can I just ask you? You know, when they closed all the wet pubs and they did all these restrictions, say in Dublin, yeah. did that have a positive effect? No, I'm not on the pubs. I don't know. I mean, the numbers in Dublin, it's a big urban area, Neil. That's the thing. I mean, big urban areas are always going to be in at the forefront because it's big, large uh, congregations of people. Uh, and that's just it. Whether it's a shop or a cafe or, or, or anywhere else, a church or anything, people, uh, when you build them up in big areas, are, are, you know, this virus is going to pass on. It's, it's, a, it's an airborne virus. It's going to, to pass around, you know, and now we're coming into winter um, where people are going to be more indoors. So, look, the issue here isn't the closure of the pubs. I get that. I know exactly, you know, despite what's happening uh, behind the scenes in all of these pubs. Don't forget, behind behind the doors of every one of these pubs is a family. I have four children. You know what I mean? Um, And don't get me wrong, I'm not out there, oh, woe is me. Uh, We're all all supposed to be in the same boat. I laugh at Stephen Donnelly last night. I mean... This is what we're reduced to. This is this is where our country is at in 2020. That we have this 
town running our health department in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. I mean, the guy can't even articulate himself on, on the news. And there he was last night uh, with this overall in this together crap. We're not all in this together. We're not. There are a lot of forgotten people in all of this. But again, I'm not going to focus on that because I'm, my industry is only one industry that's affected. Like there's an event, there's a, an outdoor event and display business there that is has been completely wiped out. out outside, live events, live music, the construction uh, side of things, the logistics that go with all that. My own partner in Goldberg's Rory, his company, Red Penguin, has, has just has just fallen off the edge of a cliff. Mm. You know, they, they don't see an end in sight. And these, these are the behind-the-scenes people that we, we don't, you and I, don't really think about on a day-to-day. I remarked that to Rory the other day. I said, at least the pubs are in the, the newspapers. At least the pubs are, 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 you know, being spoken about. I said, your business isn't. And, and it's so easy then to just forget about these people. But these people, uh, he has 12 or 13 employees, all of whom are sitting around the so what, what, every day so if waiting you add, for the phone to If ring. you add up, say, for instance, all of yours, uh, would you be talking about yeah. a couple of dozen staff? Um, about 21, I think. So what um, happens no, to them now for the next period of time? Well... Okay, first and foremost, in the island and the Boron, unfortunately, we have no choice but to close. We don't have a facility where we can offer an outside um, setup. I, yeah, granted, in the Boron, we've had a few chairs outside the door for the last couple of days, but, or last couple of weeks, but that's more of a visual to try to create this nice looking environment for people. We're open, yeah, we're open. Nice. Let's yeah, go in. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, there, we're shut um, and we're going to remain shut. I'm going to do the best I can by the staff with what little resources we've left, but you know, putting people off the the, the the WSS, putting them back on the PUP, sure, there'd, there'd be a delay of a week or two in them getting paid. And I couldn't look any of these people in the eye and, and expect them to, 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 you know, pay their bills when there's nothing coming in. Goldbergs, we have made a decision and um, we are cracking on. Um, we have, we are today converting our courtyard at the back into a, a facility that will seat 15 people. Um, we're completely redoing it and we're bringing our our new, you know, and this is a plug now, Neil, so let's, yeah. let's, let's yeah. take it for what it is. Our new Goldbergers menu, we're taking it on the road and we're going for deliveries, we're going for takeaway. Uh, by this evening, we'll have stuff up on social media telling people what they can't can and can't do. Um, we're going to be, um, I'm going to be delivering myself around uh, Douglas, Mahan, City Centre, Black Rock, Ballinlock, anywhere that people would w- want to, 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 to have something, you know, that we offer. Um, we've, we've done well. I mean, we, we, we came up with this plan that we'd have a reduced menu with reduced uh, product um, choices in order to, to try to secure the business from a waste point of view and all that sort of thing. And it really worked. And I, and I have a list of many others who are following that lead. But in, yeah. in, in in the oh, event of this, dra- in the event of this dragging on beyond the three weeks, you're suggesting six. Others are saying even longer. We don't know with regards yeah. to the numbers. Um, undoubtedly, there's going to be businesses, whether they're pubs or restaurants or cafes, that just won't be able to hang on. Yeah, absolutely, and it all depends. Now, you see, you have to understand as well. There was a lot of protections in place till the 31st of August for people like me uh, who have, you know, who are in that environment whereby, you know, we're the at-risk 
um, uh, sector and you know we're the ones that have to suffer I get that it's a national interest thing that's great but since the 1st of September all of these restrictions um, in terms of forbearances from banks uh, they're now all gone, gone. Yeah, yeah. the government um, the government need to step in here by the way there are savage penalties for people like you or me if we need to negotiate our mortgage uh, or a break in our mortgage beyond those six months there is there, there are huge penalties involved uh, credit rating issues and all the rest of it the government have not as in from this morning have not stepped in I had a conversation with my bank manager the other day uh, in AIB and he said listen the banks want to help but the government aren't lifting the restrictions on us being allowed to give that help. So now what you have is you have a lot of fellas now are saying, well, set this, I have to drive on, I have to, to, to renegotiate my credit issues with the bank um, irrespective of the consequences. And that's going to affect people down the road. And have you done the numbers then on 15 people at any one time? There's no profit in that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be, unfortunately, it's going to be a, a bit of a military operation. We're going to try to, to get a two at the very minimum, hopefully three on the weekend's sittings. Um, the last thing we wanted to do in Goldbergs was tie people down to a specific, you know, six to eight, eight to ten, ten to twelve kind of a thing. Uh, and we allow people book uh, with, you know, our booking system is fantastic. It allows people book in 15-minute increments. Um, and it gives them, you know, prior to the time restriction being lifted, it gave them the the warning that, you know, you have an hour and 45 minutes and, and blah, blah. It's actually a great system. But... Um, the 15 seats outside, uh, you know, they're more of a kind of cover the cost of getting the kitchen open. What we're hoping is that people will take up on the, the takeaway uh, take yeah. and the delivery. And we're going to offer different kind of incentives, you know, a few bottles of beer, maybe a bottle of wine with a couple of burgers. And we'll deliver it to your door in hot boxes and, and all that. So all right. we're, we're meeting at 11 o'clock to work that out. Um, and we just have to drive it on. But look, you know, uh, obviously... There's a lot of frustrated people out there. And and, and the, the, the issue here isn't, as I, and get back to my first point, it's not about the pub's closing, Neil. I mean, we all get that, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm the first we were, I'm the first to stand and, and close my door. But when they don't facilitate the closure of supermarkets selling undercut beer, I mean, supermarkets don't even make money off the beer they sell at mm. 20 euros for, for 30 bottles of beer mm. or whatever. They're only doing that so you'll come in and buy your, your washing powder or your sausages and ashes yeah. off them. It's, it's, you know, it's a one-stop shop. Off licenses have been doing great for the last six months, and I applaud that. I love, I, I love. But well, what are you you're saying? Well. It's just not fair. But it's not. If you okay. are going to, okay, when you go to the extent that we have done with training and all the expenditure to, to to really hammer home that we are taking this thing seriously, then we're allowed open for sixteen days. Then they pull that facility from us and or that 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 you know that ability, and they say to people, you know what? Go back to your homes drinking in groups where we had massive problems over the summer. The Gardaí coming off proper uh, duties to, to turf young fellas out of pubs at 3 o'clock in the afternoon full up of drink and drugs. And, and, uh, and, and let's go back to unregulating the whole situation. And sure, look, we'll roll the dice and see what happens. All right. In three weeks' time, this shit is going to hit the fan. Right. There is going to be proof here that the pubs are not responsible for this because we are, we're structured. We're, we're, we're regulated. We're, all my staff have broken. And like you do in a lot of pubs, you've regulars coming in and, yeah, sure, listen, I'll be alright, won't I? No, you won't. Yeah. Sit down there. If you're not going to follow the rules, off you go. Yeah. And, and that's what we've been doing. I mean, 
mean, like we've upset people by following these rules. And then Michal Martin comes on the, the thing on Monday night and he's about as vague as they come. I still, even after watching the interview or the statement, I still didn't know are we opening or are we closed? You know, 15 people, why bother? Why bother saying that to, to people who have not the facility to try to, to, to I suppose, encourage um, more per head spending. You know, prior to COVID, fellow community of two or three pints, 15 bucks out the gap. Mm. Now they're coming in, they're having a burger, they're having a couple of pints, they might sneak a, a slice of a nice dessert or something like that. And they're spending 30 quid. Mm. You know, so we were managing, we were getting there. It was it was okay. And like, it, it, just from a Goldberg's point of view, people were really getting behind what we were doing over there. And, and, and it, it, you know, to have it pulled now, it just seems to me, you know, all we're doing is pushing the problem down the road and we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Um, if it was up to me right now, I, I know you might laugh at this, I'd be closing every every single alcohol um, outlet in the country for a period of three weeks, an intensive shutdown, stop people uh, uh, partying at home, uh, stop supermarkets selling drink for cheaper than what they're buying it, and, 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 and then I believe you'll see, you'll see improvement. Okay. Right now, That's... all they're doing is facilitating the same problem to reoccur over and over again. Okay, let's see what people think of uh, those comments about closing every avenue to alcohol for a three-week period. One wonders what effect that would have on people's mental health or would it drive them into yeah, into yeah. drug-taking as opposed to drinking Most possibly alcohol. drinking in this country is higher than it has been, um, as right. they're saying. I mean, I'm reading the papers. that It's gone through the roof. Alcoholism, you know, uh, domestic violence, all of these issues now are being born out of fellas drinking at home and, you know, we thought we were doing it right. Clearly, they thought we were doing it wrong. Okay, let's see what the week said. Good luck with the new initiative and thanks for taking the call Thank as you. always. Liam Barry, uh, Goldbergs will be open for takeout um, and delivery. Actually, we uh, at Red FM have put together a nice subsection to our online offering and it's on www.redfm.ie. We've compiled and continue to add to the list. We've compiled a list of businesses that will remain open for outdoor dining uh, or service or for takeaways or for delivery that the people of Cork can support. Uh, and I'm encouraging people to get on to www.redfm.ie and have a look at the list of those that are open for outdoor dining and those that are open for takeaway and those that are open for delivery. And I'm talking about your pubs, your cafes and your restaurants. And indeed, if you are one of those businesses and you're not on your list, then I would also encourage you as a business to submit your business details www.redfm.ie The list is way too long for me at any one time to read it all out. I mean, we are talking about dozens upon dozens upon dozens of bars, uh, cafes, restaurants, um, all listed at www.redfm.ie Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106 Red FM uh, The Liberty Grill on Washington Street uh, is closed and they won't be offering a takeaway service but um, the manager there, Jason O'Sullivan, makes the examiner this morning because he's quoted as saying that there was a lot of places who haven't done what they should have done with regards to reconfiguring their space to allow for social distancing. He says that a lot of places haven't done this and they haven't been compliant. He said, I walked into a few places in town and walked back out again because it was just like beforehand. So that was quite interesting. Uh, a lot of texts on this and lots more besides. Just a, a, a little bit of housekeeping, if you don't mind. I should have done this earlier in the week and my apologies uh, for not. Um, but uh, Brian from... Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous on uh, Leaside said that I'm aware that you have helped our fellowship in the past and I'd appeal to you again to broadcast the following message on behalf of the Cork City Area Fellowship. AA have resumed physical meetings at venues throughout Cork City. 
Uh, all meetings are subject to HSE guidelines and restrictions. Further information will be available on the Alcoholics Anonymous website, which is alcoholicsanonymous.ie. For those that don't wish to attend physical meetings, there are many groups still hosting meetings online through their Zoom platforms. And details are available there on the website of that as well. So there are physical and also uh, online meetings available. So you can check those out if you feel the need. And also, Barry, thank you. Um, you need to be aware that recently in the Maryborough area of Douglas, there was a series of break-ins to cars. Apparently, uh, thieves apparently have some kind of an electronic device which can unlock and open your car. Yeah, they use this kind of fob system that they have. You can buy those fob systems cheap as chips and they open people's cars. Uh, Barry says, my wife's car and three other neighbors' cars, which were locked, were opened and rummaged through. My wife and neighbors did contact Douglas Gardee and apparently there was a spate of similar incidents, not just in the Maryborough area, but in the Douglas and Rochestown area the same night. Just let people know uh, not to have anything valuable in their cars just in case this could well happen to them. So thank you for that. Uh, by text to 0868104106. What's going to happen when things like Halloween camps for kids are on for a week in the midterm break? I have four kids booked into camps for the week as I must work. I'm wondering will they be able to go ahead? Thanks a million. Um, I would think not, to be quite honest with you. I would think not. Uh, the government felt the economic impact would have a catastrophic effect for the country as there is possibility of more job losses in level three. It's up to the people now uh, to do the right thing, reduce social contacts, contacts for the three weeks and prevent us from going to level five. Neil, you have just been fooled. You all have been fooled. The reason Neffet came out with level five is that we'd all be delighted Monday morning to go to level three. It's actually a classic example of reverse psychology. Nobody now complains about Level 3 because Neffet and the government are playing with our minds, says John. Uh, Level 2 and 3 restrictions would work well if people were actually going to get fined for not abiding by the guidelines. My aunt lives in the UK and her neighbour had a house party of about 50 people. The police came to the house. They fined every person who attended £1,000. Then they fined the homeowner £10,000. They need to hit people in the pocket to get them to get them to cop on in this country. Well, if that's true, and I'm assuming that your text is accurate and honest and truthful, will they ever get that money from them, each person, a thousand pounds? Will they ever get the homeowner to actually pay up the ten grand? It certainly is being discussed now because the papers are saying that Leo Varadkar has been telling um, you know the Fine Gael party um, that they're preparing to bring in a fifty euro on the spot fine for not wearing a mask. And he's also quoted as saying that there'll be a 200 euro penalty uh, for anyone who travels outside of their own country. Because right now, none of that, uh, well, certainly the traveling outside of your own country is not enforceable. It's just a suggestion if the guards stop you at the county bounds, for instance. Back after 10. Fact check that uh, email or that text about the illegal house party in the UK where they were fined 10 grand. And it's true. It was a student who was fined 10,000 pounds for an illegal house party of more than 50 people. He's come out and apologized. He was 19 years old uh, and it was two 21st birthday parties. And to some extent, um, you know, you could almost feel for the guy because 10 grand is an awful lot of money for a student. Anybody who was a student. Uh, in fact, one of the neighbors said that it was ridiculous. Find the guys. But we were all students once more realistic fine would make sense to a student 10 grand where's he or she going to find that I'm sick to death of people uh, saying off licenses should be closed because it would prevent house parties says Anthony before Covid was even heard of people were drinking at home 
not just students. They all drank before they went to the pub and clubs. The phenomenon even introduced a new word into the dictionary, prinking, which is pre-drinking. Then, after the club or pub closed, the party continued in private houses. People need to educate themselves, look at history before coming out with the torches and pitchforks regarding off-licenses and blaming them constantly. House parties are not a new phenomenon. They may not be a new phenomenon, but prinking is fueled by um, uh, off-licenses, isn't it? And the drinks aisles in supermarkets. Anyway, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868-104-106 and I'll plough through some more uh, texts and emails throughout the course of the morning. But um, somebody said to me yesterday, do you know, with all of this carry on, will we not just put up the Christmas decorations and get on with it? <laughs> I mean, is it too early to be talking about Christmas? Is it too early to be... Christmas shopping. I imagine people probably are. And we saw a bit of a spike of it on Monday with those huge queues, particularly at Smith's for click and collect. But, you know, I was also mentioning earlier this morning that there could well be not the Santi toys, now because Santi makes all his own stuff, but for a lot of other things, there will be a shortage of certain toys at Christmas. You know, their new PlayStation 5 problems with that. Anything that's coming out of China, anything involves um, long, long distance travel, there's going to be issues apparently. And is it any wonder that people are already stocking up uh, with items for Christmas? Not just toys, but many people have uh, well and truly started their Christmas shopping because they have no idea what things are going to be like in the next couple of months. I'd said I'd check in with a couple of toy shops and I'll be doing that over the coming days. But um, just for now, uh, Wyan Stanfield has um, Pinocchios on uh, you know, the toy shop on, on Paul Street. Now, he, I think he, he's more of a traditionalist when it comes to the toys that he carries. He joins me by phone. Wyan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, you you wouldn't be doing the big Chinese imports like the big electronic stuff. You wouldn't. No, no, not at all. I mean, the, the, if there is a shortage, it isn't affecting anything that we're getting. At least not so far, anyway. I mean, um, I can certainly understand. I mean, there are. I know that there are areas in China that do certain things, and that some of those areas have been very hard hit. Um. But it doesn't appear to be affecting us, at least, at least not so far. Yeah, uh, because the, like w- with regards to the stuff that's coming from China, um, people are saying that they're having difficulty, difficulty getting order. I mean, you would think that all of the ordering would have been done much earlier in the year, but physically trying to get them across the world is the problem, I, isn't it? I think physically getting them across the world, and I think that there were areas in China that were shut down during the beginning of the year. Oh, so they weren't they producing. Still haven't. Yeah, they weren't producing and they still haven't caught up yet. I mean, I know one of our German suppliers, um, they have had they have had huge problem with one particular item or a series of particular items that they just cannot get. They can't get they can't even get word out of the Chinese as to whether uh, whether they will appear before Christmas. Any, any or idea not. what that item was? Um, yeah, as it happened, it was a, um, a sit on metal car or a number of different sit-on metal cars. Now, we, we get those from a number of sources. We have a French um, company that also do them, so we will get them from them. But but the German ones, which we normally have, we can't get. And I also heard, of, I mentioned PlayStation and what have you, but also here's a problem with bicycles, isn't there? Yes, somebody told me that, that there was a problem with bicycles. Again, I think that's because certain areas produce a lot of one item. Yeah. I mean, somebody told me that there's an area that produces... Um, where predominantly most of the Christmas decorations and fireworks come from, and that that is, that is an area that has been what's hugely it. But we'd and be raiding the attic again. then, trying to yeah. get the stuff from years back and reuse it again, I or recycle, say, yeah. or repair it with sellotape or yeah, I mean, duct tape or something. Very dodgy looking Christmas lights and stuff. But where, I mean, you carry a lot of let me call them more classical products, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Most. Uh, like, most of our stuff, while, while, I mean, I have to say now, most of our stuff, while, while it comes from continental suppliers, 
in the most, you probably find that still a huge amount of it is Chinese made. I mean, it'd be lovely if it was all made in Europe still, but I mean, we do have quite a lot of European made stuff as well, but, but it is, I mean, our stuff is at the upper end of, you know, in terms of quality from, from toys. So it doesn't appear to be as big a problem. What would that as, be? You'd be like jigsaws, puzzles, uh, board games. Jigsaws, things like- puzzles, games, um, wooden, wooden train sets, wooden, wooden stuff in general. Um, you know, and the better quality wood doesn't appear to be affected. Dolls, like we get, a, we get, a, we have a lot of Gotts dolls, which are German dolls. And I mean, I they'd be long lasters, wouldn't they? They'd be long lasters. And and did you I, I mean, find did you find that it boomed over the past six months? Those items, the sale of those items. Yes, I mean, we found that that while we lost customers, the spend per customer is much higher. You know, people have people have been trying to buy better um, and I also see there's a huge there is definitely a, a huge wave of support for local shops and there's going to have to be I mean people are going to have to get in their heads that they need to support retail and restaurants and everything in Ireland you know that, that it's all fine and well to shop on, on Amazon or you know even shopping people shopping on, on websites that have .ie addresses that are in fact just UK UK websites you know they're going to have to realise that you've got you've really got to support. But a lot support of the time, a lot of the time, I know that it's very important. But a lot of the time, what people are looking to buy that they're buying online, they can't get in say Cork stores. Oh, I mean, I I do accept that that there there are things. I mean, I do it myself. I mean, there are things that are just not available in Ireland, and that's fine. I mean, and and not available. But I mean, you find quite often that they are available in an Irish store. I mean, we regularly get people coming in going, oh, I didn't know you stocked that here. And you're going, we've stocked it for the last 25 years. I know, but it's just so handy for people from the comfort of their own home to click away. I mean, it's awful for businesses. I appreciate that. Oh, I think it is. I mean, I mean, we do have, I mean, we obviously, we have a website now as well. um, But it's very hard for, uh, you know, in a, in a small retailer where there's one or two people, me and my wife, working on it, it's very hard for us to get a website up to the level of the shop. I know. And currently, there's yeah. about 500 items. And then there's an issue the with, regard, with, with regards to... Yeah, sorry, with regards to co- holding stock yeah. and what have you. But you sold out of a yeah, lot of yeah. board games, didn't you, over lockdown? Oh, yeah. I mean, and we still haven't... I mean, Ravensburger still haven't caught up with, with, um, with demand during lockdown. That's ger- those would be German-made games. And what were the big items? Um, in terms of games, I mean, games across the board. I mean, um, Labyrinth, which is one we do from Ravensburg. I mean, we just sold out of it continuously. I mean, puzzles we sold out of. We've managed to get some puzzles back in stock, as in grown-up puzzles, as in, you know, Thousand Piece Plus. But we're still... Is that what you, you call a puzzle, I'd call it jigsaw, is it? Oh, jigsaw. Jigsaw, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Just the Germans. When did, when did they puzzles. change the name? <laughs> well, the Germans call it puzzles. <laughs> Continentals tend to call it puzzles. Yeah, we we call it jigsaws. We did. Myself and my daughter did an enormous Simpsons jigsaw, a thousand piece. I thought that I thought that the house was going to go into a rebellion. There was going to be fights over well, these pieces. We, we then you're, the, then you're the dog chewing the pieces of it and everything. Like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> we've had that cat knock one a piece off the table of a five of a three thousand piece puzzle. <laughs> Very annoying. <laughs> but yeah, we do. So we do puzzles up to five thousand pieces. 
know. All right, okay. Listen, I'm a professional puzzle maker. I'll let you get on, Wayne. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank Cheers. You. Pinocchio's in Paul Street. Meanwhile, Val Byrne is at uh, World of Wonder in Blackpool. Val, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Where have you been for the last 20 years of my life? <laughs> I've been here all the time, boy. I haven't got away. <laughs> you haven't made contact with me. How are you? I know. It's been a bit, you moved from Smith's and then it's like as if you fell off the side of the world and I just lost contact with you. My apologies. Ah, uh, no, no. The, the, the Northsiders are keeping, are minding me up there now, Neil. They're taking good care of me up there. You're in the papers this morning. Are you aware of that? I heard somebody told me by text there I was, all right. That there is a shortage of some toys. Um, I'm wondering which ones. Okay. I, I'll just try and explain this to you, Neil, if I can, right? Yeah, take um, yeah. Right. The toy, the toy world is, is um, like we all know each other in the toy world in, in the UK and Ireland, right? You know? Now, I'll just give an example. Say we got in a doll, right? Now, the toy buyers would, and they, the owners would go to the shows in London and in Germany um, at the end of January, start of February, right? Yeah. Now, um, what they do is they look at the new toys for the upcoming year, et cetera, et cetera. Then they go back to their offices. Then they, they order, then they make predictive how much they order in. So They, they also they take a gamble on what they think is going to sell, yeah? Exactly, Neil, yeah, exactly. Like, take for example, if, if we got, a, I'll just say it's very basic, a job, right? We got in, in our store in Blackpool, we got in two, by, two boxes of six, right? And then my boss then would probably order for the six shops, we'd say 72. Now, he would have probably ordered in 72, would say, for late June, right? And that would come in in late June. Then they'd watch the sales after the first three to four weeks after that, right? And how it's going. And, like, they would have orders done for September of that particular same doll and orders done again for November of that particular same doll, right? And they probably would have, would say, 72 in June, maybe 144 or same that doll, in uh, September, and mm. it could go to 288 in November. Mm. But the problem being then, right, is um, while they watch that and they monitor that in the first f- few weeks in June, like they could increase the order, we'd say maybe from 72 to 96 at that particular job, or they very, very rarely could decrease it, maybe back down to 60 if it wasn't selling as well. Yeah. You know, and that's the way it works, right? And like all toy buyers across the country and the UK, they manage this and, and that's the way they work, right? And, but like, with that in mind, right, um, what's happened at the start of this year? COVID-19, like over in China. China was shut down for the first three months of the year. So they were out of action for three months. We were shut down for 11 weeks in our store, right? And so like, like for the first three, week, three months of the year, the manufacturing in China has been delayed. So it's not a case that all the buyers and the owners are not doing their jobs. They are doing their jobs, and so are the agents and the reps. The problem is the manufacturing over in China, they're three months behind, so there are there are certain toys that are uh, not not quantity wise not been made enough. Okay, what would that be? Would that be your Barbies? Would it be your LOLs? Your Pokemon's? Uh, maybe Lego sets? Stuff like that? Well, you see, like, I, I'm not going to mention any toy brands or anything like that, Neil. Right? I, I was talking to Rep last week. Now there, right? And he said to me. Um, like I named, I said, like, what's the story with such and such a thing? And we named out a few of them, right? And I, I like one of the brands, or one of the licenses, like they would have loads of different ranges within that brand, right? And one of them, the thing, like, um, they said to me, well, look, unless you order that in January and February as our initial order, you could be in trouble. You know, you could, you mightn't be able to get the stuff. And it's not a case of, this is because his bosses in China are telling him, 
like they're telling the bosses in the UK, they're telling the agents, the reps down here, that there is going to be a shortage and you won't be able to get them. Now, it's not a major panic or anything else like that. It's just that they're three months behind. Now, all the popular toys will be there. They will be there. But the amount of them, as of before, mightn't be there. Wouldn't they pay people a bit of overtime and get them to step up the production? They, they probably will over in China, but like, you know, it's, there's a three-month delay, as I said, like, previously and all that. Like, it's just, like, Neil, around this time of the year, like, you, you and I used to chat before, right? And we'd be talking, like, what would be the number one tie? What would be the number two tie? And I'd be able to tell you straight off, yeah, that we, we, we have that in stock. Yeah, no problem. We'll get it in. We, like, we would have the information that it could be coming in a week later or two late, weeks later. But there's just a small and very, and I stress this on, on the echo as well, that there's a very small amount of, uh, we say the, the, the ones that the parents are looking for, the number one, the number two, that we mightn't have all the quantities that we all... Were so what's for. the advice now, without causing panic then? It's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's, a, it's not a necessarily a need for panic, right? And um, like COVID-19 has, has installed so much panic for everybody at the moment like that. And like shoes outside toy stores all across the country. You know, um, the only thing is like we do a very good deposit club, right? And we found that a load of people are putting stuff away, you know, into the bags and they're putting away their number ones and their number twos and we store them for them and all that. And like there will be still plenty of other toys about. There will be the traditional board games, the puzzles. Like we found art and craft to sell very, very well this year as well. Mary Make and Do, Mary Fitzgerald. All of these people are, are going back to traditional games and, and puzzles and, and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. But you see, the kids see the advertising, you see. That's the thing. They do. They yeah. do need, but they will still That's the one they there, want, like. Right? Yeah, they still will be there, Neil, right? But, like, it'll just be a slight delay in coming in. You know, it might, like, stuff that we should have in now, there might be a week or maybe a two-week delay, but also, like, if, as I said to you, like, this time of year, we should be getting in with probably 96 of an item. Like, it could be a case that only 72 are available from the supplier. Yeah. Hey, Louis, so, uh, Louis says here by text, Hi, Neil, I did all, did all the Christmas shopping a month ago, and I'm so glad that we did. It wasn't that easy to get our hands on new bikes and other bits and pieces. I can only imagine it's going to be more difficult to purchase, in particular, some of the Santi presents. Please, people, take my advice. Get up, get the toys you need before it's too late. Happy Christmas from a very relieved daddy. So he's happy. He's got it done. Fair play to him. And like Neil, around this time of year, you do have people like, I, I say this to customers, like the like first two weeks in September, right? Children go back to school, uniforms, books and all that. Well. After that, it steps up a bit, you know, like the, the amount of customers coming into the shop step up a bit. They're starting to deposit. They're starting to put stuff away. You know, they're starting to make out their own lists. We have people come in the shop making a list of what they have and they're, they're looking at prices and all that, right? Um, so like there are people that are doing that like some of our regular customers are, are, are ringing us look what happens like with our deposit club look we, we have backup plans in place if something does happen you know if the country does go into level 4 or level 5 we know what we're going to do about that like so like just um, there there are like on Monday morning there now like I have very hard working staff and I actually asked, asked the girls to come out five minutes earlier because we had a small show at the front door yeah. and the girls did and I and like this was because of Sunday night because yeah. of yeah. what happened to witness and all that yeah. you know but like I'm saying to people try not panic like every year 
there is a struggle sometimes to get choice number one and choice number two. Because I was kind of looking, I was kind of looking at that. You know, I went back to the eighties earlier on when Cabbage Patch mm-hmm. Kids came along, and uh, then Transformers, and then Kooshball, yeah. Nintendo, Game Boy, Teenage and Ninja you know, Mutant. I'm getting to that uh, Super Nintendo yeah. the Barney doll Talk Boy the Mighty Morphins Power Rangers the Beanie Babies Elmo Tamagotchi Furby the Teletubbies Pokemon they were all that big money items or the big popular items what is the one this year? It, it, it's like Neil there's generally we've kind of found in the last few years there's no kind of would say like last year was the LOL house and the LOL camper van right and that was a big one for, for everybody last year this year, like I said, it could be the Barbie camper van. Now, we got in a few of those already, but a lot of our customers have put them away on deposit. Mm. We are due to get more of them in, and, um, but also the fact that some people you know, were a little bit anxious and had bought them outright, you know? So, like, we are due to get more of that. The, the rep actually told me that we are going to get more of them. There's no problem on that and all that. But it's just a case, a matter of when and time and all that. So get involved, get in, get in and get a deposit down then. Uh, well, yes, like, uh, we we kind of do it two ways, Neil. Like, like we, we advise, we've a form that people get their name and telephone number and the contact details, right? They come in with a shopping trolley, they have a look around, they pick out the toys that they want, they kind of put down a 20% deposit on it, and we put them in bags, we store them upstairs, and Bob's your uncle, we're ready to, ready to go then after that. And we found the, the, the amount of, like, especially over the last two days, the girls in the tills, like, they've been, like, working very hard, and like myself, have been running up and down the stairs, putting away the deposits and all that. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So. Okay. Here's the just finally. I just uh, came across a tabloid article recently, and these could well be the top toys. I'm not sure. WWW Reckon Slambulance. Have you heard of that? Not yet, Neil. No. Okay. Star Wars: The Child Animatronics. Uh, Star Wars is going to be very little Star Wars in this year, Neil. Okay. Barbie very Princess little. Adventure: Prince and Shimmer Horse. We should get that, but we don't know the date, not yet. Lego Super Mario, Paw Patrol Dino. Is it Dino or Dino Patroller? Dino Crush, Dino Crush, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's due in my, I actually asked my boss that last Friday. He said that's in soon, Val. LOL, L- I keep saying LOL, LOL Surprise, which is um, a four-in-one plane yeah, or yeah. something, is it? Uh, don't know yet if we'll be doing that now, Neil, but we'll wait and see. Like. No, I'm just wondering, would you agree that these are the big items? Um, what's this? The Present Pet Fancy Puppet Interactive Plush Pet Toy. Crikey, the name of the list of the name. I know, the name, like names, Neil, the names there are like, there's a lot of them there now that you name out of the number one toy that people are looking for, right? Like they, it's a little bit early yet for all of that. It usually, like we're the 7th of October now. They usually kind of come in roughly mid-October to mid-November. Okay. You know, that kind of okay. range. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Maybe I'll get an opportunity to talk to you uh, sometime around no then. Problem, Cheers Thank for now, Val. Take care. Much obliged Bye-bye. to you, Val Byrne from World of Wonder in Blackpool. Also features in the Echo this morning, um, saying that there will be issues perhaps as we head up to Christmas time and maybe to some extent... You can't get choice number one. You may well need to be thinking now about choice number two. But what <laughs> What about Christmas? Is it too early to start Christmas shopping? Um, it's only months away now uh, for some. Of course, uh, they're looking to Christmas being somewhat different, I suppose. It's unprecedented, actually, because of the, the times that we're living in now. But a survey carried out on behalf of um, HomeSense revealed that one in seven have already begun stocking up on presents in a bid to beat this year's shopping frenzy. We took to the streets of Cork to see if shoppers here 
are excited already to get into the festive season, maybe a little bit early uh, this year. Is it too early to get out there and do your Christmas shopping? Oh, never too early to start Christmas shopping. I usually would pick up bits and pieces on the weeks coming up to Christmas. Oh, I, I start in January always, because I have, I have so many people to, well, it's my own fault, I have so many people to get stuff for, so I make sure I start early and try and get everybody done then. No, I, I still have stuff to get, you know, I put them all into a box and I put them all away and I keep them there. Better to be prepared earlier, start earlier, you get it finished then before the rush comes in. God, much it too early. It is miles too early to start Christmas shopping. She could be dead by Christmas. I Seriously, I think it's madness to talk about Christmas shopping. There's much more important things to happen in life, which would be different now if you small children. I think for small children, I understand it, but otherwise, why? It's only about celebrating. Any year, no matter what, I, I always thought you had to wait till Halloween was over anyway before you thought of it. I think great things are going with the great things are going with the COVID nineteen. I suppose you know people are just getting prepared, like you know. So I, I think I think um, people have started already. I think. Was they're just on their honeymoon and we're enjoying the the shopping, yeah, just regular shopping, yeah. But you know, people have different choices, and they some people like to start early, and others do at the last moment. So personal choice, I would say, yeah. I think as Declan said, it's a personal choice. But I think some people are a bit afraid of the crowd still. You know, and we're all very COVID-19 aware. And I suppose if people feel they can pick up something now, maybe they see a 50% sale, you know. Um, and it might be a good thing, you know. I think the... the um, just the, the madness of Christmas really has taken over completely away from what is the spirit of it. I, I think the main focus should be still that we're in the middle of this pandemic. I, I still think it should be on, on safety more than shopping. It's just too early. We haven't had Halloween yet. We won't start it. I'll be doing it. <laughs> well, I suppose for, for uh, my daughter now, like she's young kids, she started already online because, um, she, she, you know, in case there's another lockdown or anything, um, she wouldn't be able to get the stuff and I suppose kids would be disappointed then and things, you know. Just each month at a time, we'll see. But not, I wouldn't shop for Christmas yet, no. We haven't even had Halloween yet. Not that people shop for Halloween much, but it's, well, we're in start of October. December would be a decent time for that. If we're going to have another lockdown over over Christmas, that would be worst case scenario, and it will affect how people enjoy Christmas. But it might bring things back to, to basics again. Ah, uh, no, I think now because um, like if lockdown comes back again, people mightn't be able to go to the cities to get the stuff that they need on time. Just too early, completely too early. Spoils it for children then too, and you know. Well, I I I, I think the stuff is going to be hard to get, so. I suppose there'll be a lot done online, the same as for the last couple of months. It's not even Halloween yet. Absolutely not, because who knows what Christmas is going to be like this year, so better get in sooner rather than later. Um, like I remember during lockdown, we were looking on Smith's and when it was closed and everything was sold out. So, Mind you, I was out there the other day and there's people with trolley loads of stuff. So I don't think it's too early for people with toddlers and older children. Definitely not, no. Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I'm happy to put out a plea on your behalf, Emma and James, but can't guarantee any success. But she says we were due to we, we were due to get married in Tipperary this Monday, the 12th of October, but had to cancel as we cannot leave the county. We've been able to secure a new venue for Monday, but we haven't been able to get someone for hair and makeup or a photographer. So I'm just wondering if your listeners could help us out. We're looking for someone that could do my hair and makeup in the Fermoy area and a photographer that could travel to the Gary Vaux 
area. Your help would be really appreciated as we don't want COVID to ruin another special moment for us. Thanks so much, says Emma and James. So anybody listening out there in the Fromoy area that would be interested in doing Emma's hair and makeup and a photographer that could take the snaps, the pics, in Gary Vaux. Get in touch with us. Text 0868 and I'm happy to pass on that information and let her have a, a happy and enjoyable day. Meanwhile, Ross says, with regards to the man who put Neil on notice yesterday, um, I totally agree with that caller putting Neil on notice. I have lost my respect for Neil as he is spinning out the government propaganda day after day. More and more people, though, are wa- are waking up uh, to the restrictions and realize that the cure is far more dangerous than the disease. Thanks for that, Ross. Did you never hear me saying that? I mean, I have said that on... <laughs> Anyway, as they say, if you're explaining, you're losing. Isn't it true? And Angela says, we hear daily opinions from people on how or what to do when dealing with COVID-19 with no qualifications and no idea of how to deal with it. Uh, I look at this very simply. We're dealing with the unknown and what guidelines we implement uh, have been trial and error because of the unknown. It isn't the government's fault or the health boards, but I see them doing what they have to do. We've been given guidelines, and if those are not followed, then the fault lies with us, the people. It surprises me that people are so flippant about human lives. A large number of people just don't care about anyone but themselves, and it's these people who are bringing our country down. We should be working together and putting on a united front. People's attitudes scare me more than the virus itself, says Angela. Pat says, back in March when the crisis started, we were all told we were in this together to flatten the curve, allow the health service to handle the crisis and get up to speed. So here we are seven months later. So can we now ask how many ICU beds were there in March and how many have they increased by now? How many of the medical folk who returned to Ireland to help their country are now actually even employed in the HSE? We were told that there would be 150,000 people more on the dole today. But how many ICU beds would this cost pay for? A totally ludicrous situation, says Pat. And then finally for now, a concerned parent talks about if there are any other parents who have the problems that this family have. Two of my children go to secondary school. They have to stay in their base class all day and follow safety procedures. But then when they leave the school, they all travel home on different buses with different schools mixing on the buses. My daughter and son have told me these buses are full to capacity and pick up other children from other schools. So everyone from different communities and schools are all mixed up in these full buses, particularly in East Cork. I've seen the public buses have different restrictions in place and capacity. Why is this? Why are we knowingly putting our children at risk? Says a concerned parent. That's not the first time I've heard that worry, actually, to be quite honest with you. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868-104-106. And thank you to George for waiting in age. George, good morning. Morning, Neil. You? you say that Michal Martin is a joke. Why? I, I tell you, though, I listened to the radio yesterday and uh, the comment he made is to the Healy Rays. If we had the Healy Rays in this country, in this county, we'd, we'd be up the county. Like, Matthew Hall Mountain was looking after the sense of all his own, his own, or, or his own people. Look, he should be looking after people in Cork, first and foremost. The health system here is unbelievable. Um, for the simple reason, my partner for the last 36 years, we're going to Belfast next Saturday. Um, she has to get a hip replacement on, on, on Monday. There's two to five years down the hill. Six weeks so that would be two to five years of pain, would it, or pain management? Yes, yes, pain management, and she's in, she's hip is hanging by her side at the moment. Oh my! Um, God. We went up five, we went up five weeks ago, and up to Belfast, and we went up on a Thursday. Our appointment was Friday morning at quarter to twelve. 
the, the, the sergeant that was looking at her. He was running late. So we had to stay again on Friday night because they'd done the pre-op while she was there. Yeah. Um, so we stayed there two nights. And we got a letter out last week that she's ready to go up on um, Saturday coming. She go up Saturday. She go in Sunday to get the, the, the COVID test in the car park, which we have to get a taxi into the hospital because we're, we're going up by train um, to get the COVID test done on the Sunday at quarter to two. And she's brought in on four o'clock on Monday. She's going to be up there for four days. Yeah. So he, he's with me all night yesterday. Look, he's talking about the healer race. He's talking about just fill it up. For okay, day. for people, just I'll come back to the story involving your, your, your wife and her hip. Um, right. But maybe people came late to the program this morning and hadn't heard it because I played this just around about 10 past nine this morning. This is Hall Martin having a bit of what he thought was a bit of crack and a bit of a laugh regarding the cataract buses that go to the north. And he was having a pop at uh, Michael Healy Ray. Have a listen to this. I was reliably informed through the chair that Deputy Healy Ray approached people outside a mess to say well, I can get you on the bus if you want to cataract. The, 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 the woman concerned said... You should take that back. You are a disgrace. You are only in the bottom of the panel now coming up with that doctor yeah. statement. And cop on a small bit, Tisha. Oh, could, I, could I just deal in terms of... Ah, relax, relax, relax. I, I'm, I'm not telling you, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that people have to go to the north at all to get something that should be done in the Republic is no laughing matter, right? That's right, yeah. Um, like, it's for him to, 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 to run along the hill areas. Look, as I say, we are going up here next Saturday morning. We're going up there for a week. I can't go near the hospital when she's inside. With the focus, with the COVID. Um, like, the, her, her, her own GP, when she went out to her a few months back, she'd never even heard of, of the cross border. Like, what? You know, well, well behind it's hard the time. She, she didn't know about the cross border initiative. And you know so what? I'm not so sure how that cross border initiative will play out after January to 2021, because, like, where will you go then? They'll be out of the EU. UK. Yeah, you would have to go to probably France. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And like, you look at the other side of that, it's costing us an arm and a leg because we have no private insurance. So you have no health insurance, you have the medical sure. card, and that medical card, in, it, while it entitles you to the work, it's a six and a half year waiting list. Uh, so you have yes. to find £13,500. Yes. And um, we had, I went to the credit union to get a loan off of them and because I, I, had, I didn't put not much money in over the last few months because I'm not working. Because I, I did. I was ill myself there as a staff leader and I had no work and um, we went to the credit union and the credit union couldn't give it to me she said because I was putting nothing into my account which because I, I'm on 203 hours a week so she's not she's not much more than me so um, we had to get a loan of that off um, a personal friend now he has to be paid back but when she gets that money back in 6 weeks or 12 weeks time whatever she's going to lose 3,000 euros and the change over because that's what's going to cost her between the surgeon and the first day. The, the refund is capped you know? at 10 grand, is it? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Roughly, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's going to lose 3,000 right? when when she does get money back. Now, we have to pay that person back to ourselves to get the money somewhere. So, you know? Michal Martin making a laugh and a joke about this, yeah. you're, you're giving yeah, an example I mean, of a real world, yeah. real life scenario. That's 100% neither. And, and like, you look the other side of that. He's, if, he can, if he can laugh away, 
if there's one of his family tomorrow, if he, you guarantee he'd be up in the Bonsie Shaw Hospice okay. the next day, whatever. He know? wouldn't be travelling on a bus for a hip no, replacement no. or indeed like, uh, a cataract. Here, yeah. Here's some interesting texts, actually. Text 0868104106. The sneering superiority complex of those who laugh at the Healy Rays is utterly disgusting. Say what you will about them, but they represent the interests of their constituents. Instead of sniggering at their efforts, Michal Martin should be hanging his head in shame that he's the leader of a government at a time when a privately organised service like the cataract bus is even necessary. P.S. The Healy Rays could buy and sell every empty seat in Dáil Éireann. Um, somebody else says, that's the best thing I've heard out of the Dáil in years. I admire Michal for the balls to do it. I'm not quite sure uh, why. I'm cringing listening to that clip from the Dáil yesterday. Mortified for him, says Kay. And somebody else says, I propose a tea and scone morning, morning in the Dáil Circus in aid of Marymount Hospice. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, Neil, the other side of that, it's okay for him to be sniggering at the Healy Rays, and it's for what you said there, the people are right winging in and texting. The Healy Rays, there's something to be done at Malone and Calvary to get it done there and then. The roads, have a look at the roads around Kilgarvan where they come from. There's not a pothole there. One thing about them people, they stand up for and they're counted. What well, about, say, the trucks on the Sunday morning or the Saturday evening? They look after the people. They're just getting things done, aren't they? No, yeah. they get it done. As simple as that. I, I met their late father there a good few years ago, below in the bar in Kilgallen. And I sat with that man. And we had a good chat. Because my late father was a tree man. And we went out to see Jackie Hillier, my sisters and my, and my parents, for a spin one day. And they made them stand it. You, 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 you take that off to that man, them people. Yeah. Because they're straight, from, they're, they're straight from the top of it. You know, there's no hanging around with them people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're All there, politics right? are local, you're right there. Anyway, yeah. listen, sure good luck. Good luck with the trip and the best regards no to you. Hey, 1990 is an important year to you, is it? Yes, Neil. Yes. I tell you, um, <laughs> I'm actually ringing it from the last shoes. 1990 was one of the best years of my life. Um, the top double. Yeah. And um, I should make it just quick shorter. I was such Cork City um, a few weeks back. You searched it's Cork City for what? Yes, the sport shops. For the 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 the, 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 the shirts that the Dave O'Connor of um, suit distributors bought out, he made he got a made himself in Cork. He's a true Corkman. I, I searched five or six more shops in Cork City, and they could not tell me where I could um, buy those shirts. Um, so this is a, this is a shirt to commemorate yes. the and celebrate the thirtieth anniversary of the double. That's right. That's right. And I tell you, Dave O'Connell, I tell you, Donald Michael Merton, he, he, Dave O'Connell should be the Tishuk, not the mind Michael Merton. I tell you, I have my. That man <laughs> bought those shots out in Cork. He got them made in Cork. He's a Cork man. He's a shop outside in the Kingsdale, uh, the, uh, the back of the Bull McCabe's. Diesel, diesel Dave, diesel Dave for Tishuk. That's right, <laughs> that's, that's right. Good one. He's the man. He should, he should have that chain around his neck. Anyway, okay, so he, he had them made and he's selling that's them. Right. And apparently yes. the proceeds, he's already donated 450 euro to Marymount. He's given 500 right. euro to Penny Dinners. And he's given that's another right. 500 euro to, uh, up the bars, up the bars, Simpson underage. Bars. That's right, Simpson Bars, you, yeah, underage. No, How do you feel right. about that? as an appearing man <laughs> oh I, I don't mind that he'll probably throw a few pound away as well you know but I, honestly now he's that man I've been down to him last week I got two buses out of him because I don't drive it's because I, I, I was ill there the start of the year and uh, I'm not driving this moment so I went out to, out to him on the bus last Tuesday morning that man brought me into his shop he was opening up the shop when I got there and he's, he's not well himself he's after a big operation yeah. but he's getting there and between me and the wall 
She brought me into my shop, sat me down, made a cup of tea, had a biscuit, had a chat, told me a story, couldn't find where to get the shops till I met um, several, the board cabinet, the grey cock supporter. And it was several... <laughs> several Cyril, I know Cyril, yeah. I know Cyril. Yeah, so, you know, but 1999, as I said, that man had just sold the superlatives. People in Cork look up to him and like, All right, the okay. money is going to charity. And the money is going to charity to the likes of Merriman, yeah. Penny Dinners and the Bars. It's a double yeah. cork casual shirt with embroid- embroidery shirt. on the cuff saying 1990 with That's a hurley beautiful. and a football emblem. And they're That's available right. at suit distributors Ballycoreen just opposite Musgrave. How much are they? That's right. Thanks very much for that. No, no, hang on a second. How much are they? I am. I think they're fifty euros each, Neil. All right. And okay. I tell you, they're great quality. I, 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 I actually bought two of them. He brought me back into town that day. He's sh- he closed his shop, Neil. <laughs> but, but give me bought the two shops off. Give me a good deal and drop me home. Closed his shop and brought me home. I have eight. I have eight cork double shirts to give away just before midday today because he's given me eight of them to give away on air and we will do that just before midday listen fair play to you and also to Dave just before you go I know I've covered an awful lot of different stories for you but I was really really interested in when you were in Turkey um, last year you were you were you were having a shave and you noticed a, a kind of a, a yes, little, a little pebbly it, bump it, on your uh, nose. Yes, sorry, it just but on my nose, just below my eye. And uh, when I got home a few weeks later, uh, I, I, got, I noticed it was getting a bit bigger and bigger. And um, I went to my GP, a young doctor here in Mayfield, and he sent me to the regional. But they they sent me into the bonds because I was just COVID. And last August just gone there, I was born into. Um, to, to the Bond Secure Hospital and they chose them on at half ten and was back home sitting on having a cup of tea at, at half past twelve. They took it out. It was cancer from the sun. So it was a cancerous small pebble yes. on your nose. It was cancer. Yes, it was cancer from the sun. The, the rays of the sun. No, no, I, what if you had ignored that? I, if I ignored it, she said I'd be blind by, by Christmas. I was going to travel up into my eye. So, um, and were you a demon for the sun and not wearing sunscreen? No, 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 no. An hour, if I get up in the morning from holidays, I sit and I read the paper for an hour in Gondon. But I said the mistake I make, I, I, I kind of were walking early in the morning, and that's when the sun is so strong. Oh so my God! I sit, yeah, I never wear a cap. No, I'm wearing a cap, and I'm wearing special cream every day. Even in the winter time, I have to wear just now. She told me. So, because um, I'm a de- I'm a demon for not wearing it. You know, I'm really yeah. am. The words right. were a taboo. She, says, she had a pile in her hand. I was just I was like the book of Kells. Every one of them was mostly male patients that she was after going through that day. Um, she said, George, wear a cap. Keep your nose covered for all times. Amazing. That's so, amazing. So, anyone out there, Neil? especially men she said more men than women wear a cap fair play like listen uh, take care of yourself George mind yourself and uh, best thank wishes you to you much. and your wife when you travel north alright thank you very much indeed mate. cheers kid thank back you. after the break talk to Neil Prenderville now 1851 Red FM Emma and James some uh, luck already we've got yourself a photographer to travel to Gary Vaux for the wedding now all we need to do is to get somebody to do your hair and makeup in the Formoy area uh, for Monday morning. So halfway there, let's see what happens between now and midday. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone uh, on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Close all the bars. Close all the restaurants down completely. Those places are the cause of the spiking cases. Close the bars down. Save lives. Close them down. Get people out and lock the bars up. We need to save lives, guys. The end of the game. The game is up. Wash your hands. Keep away from people and go for your walks and eat well, says Jerry the Gent. Uh, <laughs> 
when I say when I say watch your wash your hands, I get absolutely lambasted. Um, when Joe Duffy does it, and he does it all of the time, nobody says boo to him. You made a very broad statement, Prender, regarding the letter leaked from Neffet. How do you know Neffet leaked the letter? The letter was sent to the government on Sunday evening. They could have leaked it. Do your research, man. I don't agree with the letter being leaked, but in fairness, we need to find out who leaked it. Well, I suppose it doesn't really matter now because we've moved on from all of that stuff. People are also saying, remember the arts, remember drama, remember the music industry. Chap here says, I work in the Everyman. I was supposed to, we were supposed to open this next week. Obviously, we're not now. We haven't been open since March in the Everyman. Can we keep planning to open the country up only for those plans to be scuppered again? It's extremely hard on the staff and management who just want to get up and get things going again. But really, there seems to be no no end in sight to all of this, and we find it in the arts very disappointing. And there's numerous, really and truly, which I will come back to. I'll stay with phone calls right now. Chris is on six. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you, you want to pick up on you pick up on everything. Chris, that was Chris Toomey from the Flying Burrito. You want to pick up on Liam Liam Barry from Goldbergs, was it? Yeah, first of all, let me congratulate him on how well he put the, the whole uh, thing across. He was very articulate. Second of all, I absolutely agree with shutting the off licenses completely, completely, completely. Not even uh, limited hours, because all that will do is just uh, get some people get more organised and, and stock up, pool the fund, pool the funds, etc., and, and stock up and carry on as normal. There's trolley loads coming up, trolley loads, and the kids up around Douglas are sitting on the wall with uh, orange juice and bottles of vodka. I was on about this previously. And the whole party, we have to bite the bullet. We have to bite the bullet. It's going to cost me money, personally. Personally, it's going to cost me money. It's already cost the likes of Liam Barry, who's, who was very brave in coming forward in, in, in stating the facts. It's, there's a lot of people behind the scenes, like Liam Barry's partner, who are not in the front line, who, who cannot be seen behind the scenes. There's friends of mine in the catering business who have been wiped out. They've been destroyed. And on top of that then, yeah, the, the 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 payment was reduced, even though they but, can emphatically prove on paper that they're not trading and haven't been trading since March. Basically, we have to bite the bullet. We have to all take the hit. I don't want to do it. I don't want to lose money. I did. I did six, seven weeks last time, and it cost me personally. Everyone else, was, well, not everyone else. But would it be enough to? Would it be enough to? Because they're suggesting the Front Independent this morning says the plan is to cut the opening hours of off licenses. All that will do is the the more the more the clever ones will just get more organised. One person will get up early, take all the money from the other colleagues and friends, and shop early in bulk for them, or they'll take turns at it. That's yeah, but level level three says that social and family gatherings in your home are limited to six people from one other household. So, how are you going to have a house party if people can't go to it? Well, see, everyone everyone knows if you keep the house party at a reasonable level and your neighbours are probably included in that house party, which is the clever thing to do, invite the neighbours, then the guardian aren't going to be aware of it. You do know that they say if you close... It end up in a police state, but they're forcing us into being a police state. It's only a minority of people are doing this. But to be fair to publicans, and Liam Barry has put his name forward, so I, I, feel I, I, I feel I can use it, they have invested thousands in, in rejigging their pubs with... with Paffinalia, you name it, they've invested thousands. And the other pubs in Douglas have done the same. And basically, the off-license then swung in, I said this previously, the off-license swung in, open at half ten, close at half nine, ten o'clock, whatever their hours are, close their home in bed, fast asleep, and leave all the debris behind them. The whole yeah. party's only starting at ten o'clock. 
and they're all home in bed, whereas the publican at least, and has traditionally always been, very, very responsible. I've said this before as well, and it's coming home to roost. But what it's about evident, people? What about people who do say, for instance, drink responsibly? Why should they be denied a tipple of an evening? Unfortunately, those people. I'm, I'm giving them heartfelt condolences that they are intelligent and uh, they they understand the bigger picture. The bigger picture is we have to shut down, and it's going to cost me money, as I said personally. We have to shut down for a minimum of three weeks totally give this virus thing a slap in the head and maybe then we might get a Christmas. But if we continue hopping on one leg, it's going to hop through Christmas and we're going to have neither. We're going to have uh, no Christmas and no New Year. Mm, so okay. it's very much... I mean, the government are, the government are boxing clever as in like they're throwing the ball back into the public domain and blaming the public, which is, which is correct. But at the same time, they're not actually giving the police any extra... Well, 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 you can't because there is constitutional protection of the home. They so, made an exemption last time. Yeah, but... Temp- temporary special powers. Yeah. And I don't want to be a police state, but it's, it's the old cliche of a Big Brother's watching. If you have nothing to worry about, why would you worry about Big Brother watching? That's true. That's true. Good point. And, well and made. Most people, most people are very happy to refer to some neighbor's CCTV camera and recording when there's damage done to their car or their property or whatever. They're happy then to have Big Brother watching. Thanks for that. We're back after 11. Thanks for that, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, Chris Toomey on a conversation earlier on with uh, Liam Barry, who says that everything should be shut for the three weeks and then it would be uh, first a level playing pitch with regards to pubs, restaurants, off licenses, everybody in together. And maybe that would make a huge difference ultimately in three weeks' time. Although Liam suggests it could well be much longer than that. Lines are open. Text 0868104106. Back after 11. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Maybe they need to emphasize the message of washing and sanitizing. This was enforced in March, but we've now become complacent with the health messages. We have even become more complacent since wearing masks became mandatory. People are not doing this simple practice, which is a major part of fighting the virus. Wash and sanitize your hands, whether you have a mask or not. Uh, we need to get everyone on side. We need to get everyone inside their homes and locked down until case numbers fall. Then we can let everybody back out again when it's safe to do so. And the very same will happen or else the very same will happen all over again. There'll be another lockdown. When will all this end? Is it going to be a cycle that just continues? It's nonsense. Well, I know about the nonsense aspect of it, but what the story with regards to the economy and jobs and all the other illnesses and sicknesses and mental and, uh, uh, you know, psychological problems that all this has, has brought upon us in spite of, of this virus, which, you know, many would say uh, that we should be keeping uh, the vulnerable and the elderly very, very safe. Nursing homes as well are now an issue. We've got a bad outbreak in one particular nursing home up the country. Uh, You don't control a virus, you manage it. Try to control a virus is akin to juggling in a hurricane. It's impossible, says Paddy. And just one quick one here. I'd like if the people who are coming on air and texting your show saying we should go to level five would also say that if it led to them or their partner losing their job. Uh, People are saying let's do a lockdown now and save Christmas. Are they thinking of people who lost their jobs today? Uh, What about their Christmas? These people were already hit after the first lockdown. Now they're out of work indefinitely again. I myself work in construction. I work six days a week because I have to. I make about 600 for the six days I work. What happens to my Christmas if my income is halved and if my wife takes a hit with her job in a total lockdown? We have very little disposable income. I don't drink. I try my best for my kids. Am I supposed to just accept that I can't have a Christmas this year? 
Am I supposed to just sit at home so all the people that won't be affected financially by COVID can have their lovely Christmas unimpeded by restrictions? I'm all for keeping people safe. I adhere to mask wearing, distancing, sanitizing. But should another 500,000 people have to take yet another huge financial hit? I'm devastated for the people that lost their jobs yesterday, today, tomorrow. I'm terrified because I know the axe is swinging over my financial future and my family's ability to keep food on the table and a roof over our head. We have to live with this virus. All the people on their high horses need to clarify if they will lose their jobs now, how will they survive on 300 a week before they scream for this level five lockdown? And that's just a selection of many, many texts to 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 1850 104 106. And the impact that this pandemic is having on people's well-being was highlighted in the examiner yesterday when they surveyed people with regards to the mental impacts. And this is things like depression, anxiety, negatively impacting on people's confidence. Um, fear of losing employment is driving anxiety. Uh, and many people who were surveyed are also admitting that they drank too much in the last six months. So many of the respondents to it said that they uh, gained weight, they overate, they were unable to exercise during the pandemic, and many missed medical appointments that were very, very necessary and important for their health. Lines are open at one 850 text 0868-104-106. We'll pick it up after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. All right, just a quick call ahead of Lloyd's call, and he's uh, standing by. I'll get to it in a second. Marianne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm very nervous now. But ah, you're grand, girl. You're grand. I have to come on because I don't usually go on the radio. Okay, well, thank um, you. I'm very nervous. I just hope because I keep, the pubs are only left open, only open 16 weeks, am I right? Six. 16 weeks? No, I mean, well, the wet one's only a few weeks. A few weeks, sorry, yeah. six weeks. Yeah. And now they're closed again. And they were saying they're still open to pubs parties were stopped. Now, there's all places there that get away with murder. They were never attacked. They were always kept open. I know one pub alone that closed this pub and, up, and up, turned into an all-place. Do you understand? Yeah. And you can trust them from after me. You can get you can get loads of beer in their cheap slabs. You see them getting them. Yeah, but if they're if no. they're if they're limiting the amount of people that you can have in your home, that should have an impact on house parties, shouldn't it? I mean, it, you yeah, close the not doing that. I know, but if you close the off licenses, for instance, what about the people who work in the off licenses who also will lose their jobs? What about the people in the they got nine the text there when you go to Which one? There's more than just the text you write out there before. In construction, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of people that want to be able to walk with the public in. No, I'm not a problem, it's just an army housewife, you know what I mean? Yeah. And what's killing me, me? I got polio when I was young. Now I can walk, don't think that, but I, I went to school after 15 years, but I was able to walk for like many years. You got polio as a child? I did, yeah. And it was bad that time, you know? And I got married after 23 when I was able to walk on the stick. It was a girl, you know You walked with the stick up the aisle, but you remember when you were a child, how much of the polio epidemic can you remember? Um, not much really, uh, me. It's just I went out to COVID that day. My mum and dad, my dad wanted to go fishing, you know, my brother, and I ended up the following morning, not able to, not able to move. The next day? And then my mother took me over, and my legs wouldn't, my legs just, I just 
and my grandmother came down and she said, the doctor examined me that it's the mother upset. And my grandmother came down, she said, my mom, she said, that's poor, you got to in hospital straight away, it's like nothing. Yeah. And I just confirmed. Yeah. So I had 31 operations, see, and I had to go through hell, and I had no sympathy whatsoever for people out there. I had For a small sacrifice for a few weeks, like, yeah. Yes, yeah. I had one daughter myself, and she'd been very careful. She'd married out to us as one grandchild. Yeah. By telling me what I've seen on the, on the television, even that jungle is up on the television there, he's asking for vapor, he's on two crutches, on how to walk again. He was only 17 years of age. Uh, that was recovering from COVID, yeah, and he was very healthy. Yeah, yeah I know. I saw that as well. I know. But that's All right. Okay. I mean, they should keep the pumpkins open, leave, the, leave them, do their own, you know. So depending on their work too, you know. Okay, thanks for that. You know? Thanks, Mary. It's not the greatest phone line in the world, but look, do look after yourself and thank you. Uh, keep those calls coming. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six to the um, to the lady whose name I won't give out because she's asked me not to. To the woman who emailed me back and uh, actually the first of October. My apologies for not getting to your email sooner. Uh, it's been a week, but that happens with uh, a lot of traffic coming across the desk and what have you. But I did want to get a professional opinion on your behalf. But she says to me, I'm writing to you because I'm too frightened to actually talk to anyone. It sounds too awful to be true. Uh, my first baby, and this was during COVID and during lockdown and everything. My first baby was born recently and I love him with a love that I never knew existed. I want everyone to love him. And so many do. His grandparents, aunties, uncles, cousins and all my friends. Everybody loves him except his dad. Even writing that makes me so sad and full of pain for my baby. My husband looked forward to our baby's arrival as much as I did. We were full of joy, full of happiness, planning for the future when our lives were going to change by turning us into a real family. We decided not to find out the sex of our baby. And when he was born, I thought a beautiful baby boy, a son for my husband, as my husband loves sport. I could see a lifetime bond between them. My husband, though, has become so distant since his son was born. He rarely picks up the baby and says things like, can't you shut him up when he cries? He's taken to sleeping in another room as our son feeds a lot and that disturbs his sleep. I haven't said this to anyone, but he never picks the child up, never kisses him, never cuddles him. He's not mean to him, but he acts like he isn't there. I've tried talking to him, but he says it's all in my mind and he blames my hormones. Well, I know that this isn't the case. I've seen my friends' husbands with their kids and when they come in from work, they go straight for their baby. My husband goes straight for a bottle of Heineken. He was only a weekend drinker before the baby was born. Now he has a few bottles every night before just falling asleep on the couch. I feel so sorry for my baby all he has now is me. It annoys me that if anyone calls or if we go out, my husband talks like as if he's a hands-on father. This couldn't be further from the truth. I can't believe we were so happy six months ago, both looking forward so much to the birth of our baby. Now it's all falling apart and I feel so isolated. I can hardly tell people, can I, that my husband seems to hate his child. I'm only writing to you to find out if anyone out there ever got through this so that I could talk to them. I'm supposed to be going back to work soon and I just don't feel I can face it with all that's going on. 
please don't give out my details for obvious reasons. Um, I was amazed at that, actually, because I recently read an article that said that men can suffer postnatal depression, not unlike women. I mean, we have heard in the past of, of partners, male partners, saying that they experience labor pains, sympathy pains with their partner, their wife or girlfriend. Uh, but uh, postnatal depression in men, that was a new one on me. And um, when we were reading this here last week, somebody said to me, I can't remember which one of the team saying, that's postnatal depression. I said, postnatal depression in a man? Yeah. Well, just with that in mind... Um, Lloyd Philpott is a professor in UCC School of Nursing and Midwifery, um, and he has published works on this topic, and I sent him that email, uh, and he joins me by phone. I'm not sure which line, line six. Thank you for that. Lloyd, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, and my apologies for keeping us so long, but it was important to read out the email, which I sent to you. What do you make of that email? Yeah, I mean, Neil, here you have a mother who is obviously distressed, anxious, her husband has disengaged from his relationship with her um, and she's also highly concerned in relation to the lack of bonding with her, with his son. And um, what you have here, Neil, is you have a mother who is a first time mother, she stated, and um, she's going through a huge learning curve herself. So she's, there's a transition for her. And normally during this period, Neil, what the research would tell us is that the greatest support for a mother is actually her partner. Yeah. Um, and when that support breaks down, Neil, it can result in problems for the woman and for her infant. So what's clear here to me, Neil, is that something has changed for this man post the birth of his infant. Okay, And looking from the outside, if you are unaware of mental health problems that fathers can experience in the postnatal period, you would be critical of him. But it's quite obvious to me that from my research, and he's showing classic signs, Neil, of adverse mental health outcomes as a result of his inability to cope with his new transition situation into fatherhood. Yeah, I mean, there are so many aspects to this email that probably would make people angry with him. He doesn't pick the baby up. Uh, he says, can you shut him up when he cries? He doesn't kiss him. He doesn't cuddle him. In public, he acts as if he does all of these things. He goes straight for a bottle of Heineken rather than the baby when he comes in. Um, is there such thing as a category as po po postnatal depression in men? So, Neil, these are what he is showing, Neil, is classic symptoms of depression. Um, and we need to increase awareness among the general public. So when at the beginning, when we started looking at women's mental health, mother's mental health in the postnatal period, what we were seeing is that it was characterized by low, sad mood, lack of interest, etc. But what we're seeing with men is that they're disengaging or Neil, they're showing the classic symptoms of depression in males, which is hostility, conflict and even anger, engaging in activities such as alcohol abuse and even overworking. So without knowing it, and the man himself probably doesn't know it, Neil, he probably hasn't heard that it's possible for men to experience mental health problems in the postnatal period. He is experiencing some sort of um, adverse mental health outcome at this particular moment of time. And Neil, where are the supports for him? And why, why is that? Is it fear of this small little fragile creature 
um, that you'd be incapable of minding this little baby for oh, so many years to come? Or is it, could it be, oh my God, the life that I knew is now over and I don't like that? Both, the answer but so, so role restrictions. Role restrictions would play a part in terms of men's engagement with their infant. But what's interesting in this case is, Neil, that this father was looking forward to becoming a father. We're, we've grown up in an era where, you know, fathers were less hands-on. Fathers have less role models. Thankfully, more and more, the culture is changing where there is more engagement among fathers. But we we don't know, no, Neil, why this man is not engaging the way that he intended to. And that's why he obviously needs some level of support. He needs somebody to talk to. But as you can see from the um, the email that you received, he's acting as men do when they find themselves in this situation on the of the cope. He's going into himself and he's not engaging. And that is one of the problems that we have, Neil, is trying to get men she doesn't, to engage yeah. with supports and services. But she doesn't say at any point, or does she, or did I miss it, where she's actually sat down and had a conversation with him, has she? She said she was trying to talk to him, Neil, that she's brought up with him, as far as I'm aware from yeah. um, what I read. So so she has tried to, tried to engage with him. And even if she didn't say that, Neil, I would imagine that she has had she has tried to have a conversation um, with him. You know? this, this, so, couldn't, this couldn't be just simply that his sleep patterns are all over the place. No, I mean, he's, he's taken to sleeping in another room. Um, I think it's an awful thing to say, can't you shut him up when he cries? But maybe that he's completely out of sorts because he's just not sleeping right. But you see, Neil, I suppose there are so many factors that can impinge on one's physical and mental health. Sleep is one of the catalysts for mental health problems, both for mothers and fathers in the postnatal period. Um, however, the issue has not been addressed with this couple. Um, and what needs to happen here, Neil, is that I suppose this mother is now going to spiral into her own mental health problems. And um, you can clearly here in her voice, you know, we're reading it out there, is that she's distressed, she's anxious, she's concerned, she's worried about her child. So so this man's mental health problems are impacting on her as well. Mm. And we know that that's classic from our own research that we're doing, you know, where the father is experiencing mental health problems. Unfortunately, it has a secondary impact on the mother and the infant, which highlights to me, Neil, that we really, really need to wake up and we really need to start supporting fathers in the perinatal period and we need to address the mental health problems that fathers are experiencing during this time. Okay, that would be sad moods. Uh, just recapping what you're saying, anxiety, obviously sleep disturbance, which is as, but as, which is as bad for the woman as it is the man. Conflict, anger, hostility, over-engaging in work, gambling, alcohol abuse, and withdrawal from the family. And and there's more of this going on that we know about in men, is it? I mean, was there a statistic saying that one in ten men uh, who have a baby experience this? See, Neil, like most mental health problems, and the we this is a hidden problem because you see, I, I, yeah, but it, and it's important. I mean, to talk about, but maybe he feels here is a baby that's absolutely helpless in the world, and I have to look after him. What if I lose my job? 
what if coronavirus ends up with no income coming? Do you know what I mean? Like these are realistic and, and, worries. And that, plays, and that plays a factor, of course, Neil, because traditionally, and the role for the father was that of a breadwinner, and the role of a mother was as, as the caregiver. The roles now, and there's more stress, more anxiety among couples because there's a dual role. There's you have to be the carer and you also have to be the provider. And that is one of the things I did a bit of research on stress and the big stress for fathers is to be still, even in the 2020s, to be able to provide for their infant. Even though both couples, both partners may be working, the father feels that, I suppose, because of tradition, yeah. he feels that he needs to be the provider, even though both couples are working. So culture, it takes a long time to change, Neil. I mean, I've been working around this area of research for the last seven years. I've tried to increase awareness. Um, but we have so much, so much to do. Neil, in 2017, we published the model of care for specialist perinatal mental health in Ireland, which was fantastic. And it was a step forward and it really promoted the care for women in terms of their mental health. Um, but not once, Neil, in that document is the mental health of fathers mm. mentioned during mm. the perinatal period. Mm. And are they similar types of postnatal depression, men and women? You mean... Well, I mean, when you say they're similar, the causes can be similar. They can be, um, the causes can be social causes. Like, I mean, it's the same. No, I'm talking about with the disconnect with the baby or, or you know, depression. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so with, with, with mothers, what you, what you tend to do is, what you tend to see, Neil, is, you know, it's a low, sad mood, lack of interest. And there can be, and this is the key, Neil, and if we want, you know, healthy children but, grow up to be healthy adults, it's the bond that happens but, during this period. And I was going to and, come to that, and, and I will in a second, just in case I forget, when you talk about, um, you know, the disconnect or the depression, is that hormonal? Are hormonals are hormones all over the place after childbirth? You're talking about women here, isn't yeah, Neil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what tends to happen is there's um, hormonal changes that can impact one's ability to cope, one's ability to mood, or uh, to, to care. But amazingly, Neil, what we're starting to see is now we're looking at um, hormones, hormones in males around the time of the birth. And there's evidence to show that um, there's a level in... Uh, the male sex hormone, which is testosterone in fathers, up to three months after their birth. And this is, I suppose, this is positive, as in, you know, I mean, the when we think of testosterone as that manly, I mean, it's that, that puts hairs on your chest, it gives you your aggression, but the lack, the reduced lower testosterone levels, you know, signals, it's a signal in the father's brain, which is essentially Neil redirecting him to care for his young and ignore those, as we would call them, manly priorities as they arise. So we're starting to see, we wouldn't have known this 10 years ago. We're saying we know that there's hormonal changes now in fathers as well. And what effect does a disconnected parent have, say in this case, a father? on the well-being of a child? Well, I mean, bonding starts from the moment of birth. Um, and we know that fathers that are depressed um, don't bond the same as with their children. And the outcomes for children, let's say, we know that where, where there's this lack of bonding or this lack of engagement, it impacts on 
children's development in terms of their speech, in terms of, let's say, in the three years' time, their ability to read. And there's evidence, looking back at studies, where there's fathers have had depression, you know, where they run into problems, um, social problems, much later on. The child like, when they grow up. Also, and, perhaps... And, and Neil, this, all, this is all highlighting to us that we need to wake up. And what is what is the next step here? But what is the next step for somebody in this situation? Okay, well, well I suppose... look A visit to the GP? Or what? Do you see, Neil, you know, a visit to the GP. GPs are busy. You go into a GP today and GPs do a fantastic job. But, you know, let's say you go to see your GP. What's the average time that somebody spends with a GP, Neil? I don't know. Is it 10 minutes, quarter of an hour? Yes. And you'd be lucky to get ten. I suppose you're right. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so so this is something that that takes that that would take longer to, for want of a better word, to trash out me to actually to be able to engage in somebody to have a meaningful conversation to get to the root cause of this problem. That's assuming that in this case that the man, the dad, in this case, wants to fix himself. Well, Neil, is it not evident that he wanted to be a father? Is it not evident from that um, lady's letter that he wanted to be a hands-on father? They were looking forward to it. So what has changed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would your yeah. advice be then? Uh, to Trying to continue to talk to him? Are you saying seek help? Counselling, is it? Do, do you see, again, Neil, can, can I just get back to the question you asked me, what can we do? Yeah. You know, what, what what we need to do is first and foremost, we need to make this father and all fathers aware that, you know, the birth of an infant is a fantastic time. It's a time of growth. It's a time of development, you know, and the majority of fathers will have positive outcomes. However, there will be a small but significant proportion who will experience problems. This man may never even heard of postnatal depression, postnatal stress, postnatal anxiety. So we need to, first and foremost, increase awareness among the general public, but we also need to do it among healthcare professionals. And Neil, like most change, it needs to come from the top down to start with, and we need a strategy to address paternal, perinatal mental health. Somebody is saying here by text, she needs to nip this in the bud for the sake of the child. She should pack his bags. He's nothing more than a sperm donor. The baby needs a mother's love. She's better off without him. And what do you think of that, Neil? Uh, I would I would be inclined to try and work on the problem myself. Absolutely. Do you think that's going to solve this woman's problem? It's going to escalate more. This is something that needs engagement between the couple, not disengagement. But what I would what, what I would say, say here, Neil, is that this lady, this woman, certainly needs to be to talk to somebody about this because she's obviously said in her email that she hasn't. And who would that be? A loved one, a ma'am? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, if he's not willing to engage, I mean, I, I, I would suggest, you know, that it would be somebody that she could rely on, somebody that she could talk to, um, until Neil, until there comes a time when he wakes up or that he addresses his own issues. But again, this is not a simple situation. This is a compl- complicated situation, unfortunately. They, as things stand outside, we have no referral pathways for fathers who are experiencing problems. Yeah. We have very little interventions. We have zero support. You know, um, so you know it's complicated. 
certainly packing the bags isn't going to, in the short term, isn't going to resolve this problem and it's certainly not going to be a healthier outcome um, for this woman and for her child. But if nothing else in this conversation this morning, we are highlighting that it is an issue and it would be good actually if people have been through it maybe to come back to me with how they handle it or what they're going through, even anonymously. I won't give out details if people wish to at least get a conversation going. Absolutely, Neil. And it's and it's through shows like yours and the, I suppose, the general media. I mean, I'm plugging away, Neil, doing my research. I was up in the maternity hospital last year. We have a study coming out, you know, with over 350 fathers were looking at stress and anxiety. I'm publishing these findings, you know, in peer-reviewed journals. But it, needs, it, it trickles down very slowly to healthcare professionals. And the 350 that you have spoken to at length, I'm sure... Yeah. What do they what do they pin the problem on? Is is it fear, inadequacy, what? Well, amazing Neil, I'm in in that particular study what I'm looking at, I'm looking not only looking at depression because I think depression is something that happens later on. I'm looking at stress, anxiety and depression. And when I spoke to men and it was a questionnaire but they did have comments at the end so I do have an understanding of you know their I suppose qualitative information but what they're saying so basically Neil what they're saying is that how they engage and what they see as their primary problem is the stress that they're feeling you know they feel stressed out why do they feel stressed out like we discussed because they have new responsibilities there you go yeah. They're stressed out because they're stressed out because they have a new role. They're trying to balance their family life and their work life. They're trying to, do you know what they're trying to do as well, Neil? They're trying to balance the change in the relationship with their partner. And of course, it, this baby didn't come with a crash course or a manual. Not at all. No, no. And 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 what what do what what do we do? What do we give fathers? We send them into antenatal classes with um, their partner, and it is. Undoubtedly, we know, Neil, at this stage, that fathers do not talk in antenatal classes. If they have a concern, so Neil, if you have, if you had a concern and you with your partner about some element of delivery, what, what we know from the research is fathers are afraid to talk because they don't want to scare their partner. Mm. They don't want to take, so what we're seeing. They don't want to come across as weak either, as a, you know. They don't want to come across as weak, but what, what we're seeing in Australia, Neil, is that there's no antenatal classes specifically given by men for men you know men feel more comfortable talking in these um, type of classes for several reasons yeah, yeah. and fathers don't t- seek support needs because they think well I'm as you said there I'm supposed to be the one who is strong I'm supposed to be the one who's standing up I'm supposed to be out about providing you know and being also able to care for my infant so look Neil it is extremely complicated um, but 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 we know that we have a problem Okay, you know? at least we're talking about it. Okay, and we're talking about it, Neil, and it's fantastic to have the opportunity to talk about it. Um, and you know, Neil, when I first started talking about um, men's mental health in the perinatal period, I and it was among healthcare professionals that with I wasn't always met with open arms. You know? <laughs> Why was it because men? Oh, for God's sake, men need to man up. Cop yourself. Men on. need to man up. You yeah. d- yes. But also, Neil, there's this understanding, you know, that, you know, by supporting the father, Neil, you're taking supports away from the mother. You know, why are we putting the focus on fathers? But this scenario that you have just 
put, gave me via email highlights exactly why we need to support fathers. Okay, let's it get highlights to... We need to move away, Neil, from a maternal and child um, outlook to, and we need to move towards family. We need to be family-centred. A healthy mother, more potential for a healthy father and a healthy infant. Mm. A healthy father, much more potential for um, healthy mother, mother and, and infant. And it's not either or, Neil. The support's provided to both. A family-centred approach, better outcomes. The evidence is absolutely clear. Would it be, would it, I know, I won't keep you much longer on my apologies, but just think, would he be jealous of the baby? Do you think, like, that that he's no longer cock of the hoop now, there's a a new kid in town, no? Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that does come out in the research, Neil. We, we do know that there can be jealousy in the relationship. We do know that the amount of time that the mother spends, spends with the infant, um, for some fathers, Neil, and it's the sum that we're talking about. Some fathers do um, become jealous, mm. and some fathers. But again, we don't know the root cause of the problem here. Um, there's also a lack of intimacy in the postnatal period between couples. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. Which, which we know is also a factor that impinges on the relationship between a man and a woman. Listen, you know your stuff and thank you so much for stopping by. I hope that this gets more conversations from people who are listening to us now and that they'll engage with me. But I do appreciate you taking the time, Lloyd. Thank you so much. Good no to problem. talk. Neil, can I, just, can I just say one thing that just maybe people... By all means. May not be, yeah. People may actually not be aware of. We actually have um, an International Mental Health Day for Fathers. Um, that I've been involved in. We, it's myself and a group of researchers from across the globe, where the states, very small group, but we're trying to increase awareness um, in risk to men's mental health in the postnatal period. It's the day after Father's Day every year. This year we had a big push. We tried to get as much social media and so, um, I suppose, highlight um, the day so that we could have a discussion. So maybe, Neil, next year, God willing, that everything that we're that, that, that I suppose um, it would be fantastic if maybe we could have something on your show you got it yeah. you got it maybe 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 talk to a father who's experienced well listen you, you work on all of that come back to me with everything ready and we'll drive it on then okay fantastic Neil and lovely to talk to you and thank you, you for nice your time. time cheers as always thank you take care Neil. super guy Professor Lloyd Philpott uh, UCC uh, Professor of Lecturer in uh, Nursing and Midwifery your thoughts on that guys are welcome text 0868104106 advice um, maybe something that you can relate to that you might like to share you can also email neil at uh, redfm.ie and we've got calls after the break my apologies to Mary back after these The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM Our phone lines remain open after midday 1850-104-106 Lines open on 1850-104-106 is right uh, Anne is standing by Mary, good morning Good morning Neil, how are you? I'm well, what do you think of that email? I'm thinking, Neil, it's very, very disturbing. He's no different from any other men. And believe me, Neil, when I say that, because it's always a case of, oh, daddy's tired. Daddy has to work. What's wrong with that man, Neil, is that he's jealous of that child. I would gladly pack his bags for him. 
and that's being honest with you. How well, well, why wouldn't you want to? Why would you want to pack his bags and not want and what, not want to try and make him unjealous of the baby? Why wouldn't you work because, at it? Because because listening to what the girl said in the email that she had sent, Neil, is that. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to hear the baby crying. I mean, like, where was the baby made? Come on, Neil. Like, it's like the man flu, in all honesty. How dare he treat her like that? I mean, he's able to drink his Heineken. Why can't he shut his mouth? You know, I, I, it, it's disgusting to think that that's still going on. She says she tried to talk age, to like. him, but he says it's all in my mind and is blaming my hormones. Listen, Neil, if it's all in his mind, excuse me, tell him, go and get Viagra and take it up his nose. It's probably all in his brain. But he knew what to do the night he wanted to empty his bags, didn't he? No, I don't I don't believe one. That, that poor girl. Uh, you know, I would crawl the road, Neil, before I would actually even try and make conversation with him. Because I know... Ah, uh, no, steady on a second like. now. I mean, they no, were, they no, were no, very, no, no, very no, no, happy... No, 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 they were very happy before the Baba came along. Like, So why isn't it possible to get that way again? Because he's jealous of the baby. You know, in all fairness, Neil, a, a, a deaf man with no eyesight, Michael Healy Ray would say, come on, wake up. Like, She needs to get a life. She's a young mother. All the child needs is its mother's love, Neil. Needs, his father, needs the father in his wife as well, though, at some stage. Oh, it does, but like, I mean, like, it's, it'll always be a case of, oh, um, mammy, why is daddy being like this? Oh, because daddy is tired, daddy is working. But why is it, why do we accept, for instance, why do we accept then that postnatal depression is a reality with regards to mothers and we give sympathy and help and medication and time and counselling? But yet if it's a man, oh, let's pack his bags, he's a waste of time, kick him out. The thing is, Neil, we listen. Men won't. It's a case of, oh, put it to the back of your mind. Let's go, have this with my friends, have that with my friends. It's okay. The baby's crying. It's okay. Alice will pick up the baby. It's okay. Nana will look after the baby. No, no, Neil. It's all wrong. That girl needs to get a light and get him out. Okay, and hold on. He wouldn't be out too long, Neil, when he'd be crawling back and he'd realise what he has missed. Kick him out for a wake-up call. A bit of tough love, oh, is it? Yes. Oh, hold on there. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. My take on that girl's uh, letter to you, I think the poor unfortunate, he should get a life, that man. He's a jealous son. Yes, he's probably not getting the attention he thinks he deserves now because there's a baby there to look after. Sorry? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. That's true. You've no compassion. You've no compassion for him if he's if he's suffering if he's suffering with his. With with maybe anxiety, he might be afraid. He might be afraid of the fact now that he is something tiny and helpless that he has to look after. He doesn't want to look. He won't be looking after his, the girl. Will be looking after the child. Like all women have to do it. The men can come and go. Ah, no, that's very, that's very, that's very insulting to men who are very much front and centre in their children's lives. The dad can go out in the morning to work. The mum has to sit in the home looking after the child, doing the housework, doing the cooking, doing the washing. These fathers had just. But, but in many, but in many, in many family units, that old traditional model is gone. That doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it doesn't. It doesn't. A lot of the women, a lot of homes, rather. But if they were, if he was looking forward to the baby's arrival, I'm very excited about it. Something changed that could be well, fixed. He's looking forward to the baby's arrival. 
She says he was. My husband looked forward to our baby's arrival as much as I did. We were full of joy and happiness, planning for the future. he was letting on. Yeah. He might be getting his day, his oats now, you see. (laughs) So both of you you would have his bag packed and out. I'd kick him out that door. If he was one of my sons, I tell you, he'd be gone. I'd never again have anything to do with him. And I think that girl... She tell her family what she's going through. I do. I think she should tell her parents. Why should she have to suffer in silence? Here's one. I've been in a very similar situation to that person in that email. My ex-husband wouldn't go to the GP, just blaming and acting out negatively at home. It was so hard as I had two healthy, happy babies with no moral support or physical support from my now ex-husband. Yeah, and here's a cheek to say that it's hard. It's her her hormones. Blame it back on the woman. But I'm amazed that neither of you feel the need to see if that man can get help. He doesn't need help. He's Uh sick in the arse. He needs help. That girl needs help. She needs to speak to somebody about her situation. Because if another baby comes along, what happens then? Okay. Okay, all right, let's see what other people feel on the matter. Thank you both, thank you, Anne. I really think if she's listening to this radio program, she'd go to her parents here now and get it sorted, or get him sorted. There's all full about men having post-nation depression. But why wouldn't the pressure? But no, but why wouldn't they have some form of depression or anxiety? He's it's a new baby. That's not. It's a new baby. I remember when my first my son came along first. This tiny little thing. I was thinking, mother of God, what am I supposed to do with this? You get on with it, Neil. Oh yeah, I did, and you do get, and you do get on with it. But I have yeah. to say as well, there were also times when I wished to God they would stop crying. So I understand what he's talking about. Yeah, but can you imagine the mum there all day with that baby and can't get it to stop crying? What way did she feel? Oh, I know that. I, I, and I'm, I'm looking it through the dad's eyes now, just for a moment. I'm not taken from the mother's role in this, or the chief finds it tough, and she must be at the end of her tether if she's doing everything herself. I get that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on there a second now, Keith. How's it going, Neil? Okay, these women flabbergast me. Why is that? <laughs> because I presume they're mothers and wives and their complete lack of compassion and empathy oh. towards this man. They're judging him. They don't know him. And I mean, it, it's. I think it's... Is it a bit sexist there that women can only suffer? Neil? You know? No, in the, in the sense there's a lack of compassion that would be there if it was a woman if it was a woman who would exactly if it was a woman who was and women do suffer postnatal depression we know that and they react like that man does you know and telling her that it's all on in her head that's him just deflecting but why doesn't she why doesn't she say to him listen you gotta straighten up and fly right or you're out of here and this business of um, you know turning from a weekend drinker into a seven day a week drinker is just not on drinking your loaf or falling asleep on the couch like like, it's not on. Neil, the drink is the symptom of the problem. Okay. okay. He has a problem, and it sounds like depression. And that's his way of deflecting, is to drink and put it on her. Do either you, Mary, no, or Anne, accept You don't that... tell someone who's depressed, ah, come on, get up out of bed and you'll be grand. You know? Do either of you girls accept that you're being sexist? No, it has nothing to do with sex. Nothing to do with sexist. 
pure and simple. No, no, that if I were to, if I were came across an email from a husband or a partner who said that his wife was totally disinterested in the child, won't pick the child up, uh, is constantly saying, why doesn't he stop crying, is now sleeping in another room. And I said, you need to cop yourself on, woman, or else he needs to kick you out. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Yeah, well, that is genuine and makes the person not with a woman. Oh, it's genuine in a woman, but it's, uh, it's not genuine. Well, it's not in genuine in a man. It's not. A man that's, don't that's get sexual. it. That's the load of bull. A man does get the press. What, what men get is feeling sorry for themselves because they're not getting the attention and they take it out then on the child and the wife. No, and you're speaking like a woman scorned. Well, that's, I'm telling the truth. But that's interesting. I mean, you, I mean, you, but it's not you, the truth. It is the truth. Men are selfish. It isn't, it isn't the truth. Men suffer depression. Men are not selfish bees. They are. Keith, is no, it they're Keith? not. Keith, yeah. Yeah, Keith, they are selfish. Men can be very, very selfish. They may men not can be, yes. be, but they are. It's all me, me with men. No, it's not. You can't generalise like that. Not with all men, now. Be fair, it's not. But you are generalising. And you don't know this man's situation. I do. I don't. Until you're on judging him. Without wanting to overly de- delve into your own life, but were you hurt? I mean, like... No, Neil, I was not. Oh, well then, why, why would you have, have such a negative opinion because of men? it's just the way that that girl is being treated. And how many more girls, women are being treated like that? Women shouldn't have... And how many more that. men are going through this in silence? Huh? And using drink as a crutch? How many more men are going through this in silence? Do you know? What about how he's feeling? Yeah, but the drink see, that's the thing. Drink blocks up the It's a crutch. Drink is a crutch. But it's a crutch. Yeah. Just a crutch you on the head. All right, guys. Pick it up. Pick it up in the morning. Thank you all. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Anne. And thank you, Mary. Interesting. We'll return to this in the morning, depending on how you guys get in touch with me by text 0868104106, particularly if you have experience of this in your own lives, uh, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. If you don't want me to give out your personal details, I won't. But ideally, if anybody wants to come in and be part of the conversation, that would be great as well. one 850 We're out of time, guys. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.